if I've been searching for something, something never comes, never leads to nothing, nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. All night long, I dream of the day when it comes around and it's taken away. Leaves me with the feeling that I feel the most. Feel it come to life when I see your ghost. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, tonight is the end of season three. We got episode 29 titled Never Ever Give Up, because tonight we got a good one, man. It's, it's going to be one of a kind episode, an episode with some things that we've never done before, so... I'm excited. I know you're excited. So help me welcome on to the show our guest with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, University of Kentucky baseball player, TJ Collette. All right. TJ, my man, welcome to the show. How are we doing tonight? Doing great. Hanging out in my room. Um, played a little video games. Had a long day at work, uh, but it was fun, and now we're chilling. I see you. You know, we, we're not, we don't have any video, but I, I just want to set up the scene for the audience because you got, some, you got some pictures back there. You got some decor. You got a nice little crown molding. Like, you got a nice little setup back there. I, I'm, I'm very impressed. You'd be surprised the, the college cats that we get on here, what's in the background. It's it's good right. thing that we're audio only for the most part. Well, uh, I'll be completely honest, and we'll get to this later, but I'm still, I'm living with my parents right now and kind of saving up some money. So all this decor you see, my, my mommy set it up for me <laughs> hey, hey i'm gonna I'm be honest with you tj hey the the parent thing don't matter austin riley himself came on our show and i'm call i'm gonna call him out so if he if he hears it that's my boy he was in the garage at his parents house and it, it didn't have the backdrop so hey you're still doing well you gotta do what you gotta do that's right baby you know tj usually we start off the episode um with you know where you're from and, and how you grew up in the family life. We'll get to that. But I think, you know, as we did our research, found some more intriguing stuff about you that we wanted to lead off with. So um, talk to me about Team Negu and the Jesse Reed Foundation and, and what that means to you and, and what your role in all that is. Oh, well, it's kind of a long story now, but um, the Jesse Reed Foundation is a nonprofit. And uh, what they do is they recognized early on that a lot of foundations um, focus a lot on the cure, which so which is incredible. We need obviously need to find the cure, but there aren't many foundations that focus on care, which is pretty much spreading joy to those kids while they're fighting, spreading joy to those families while, while they're watching their child fight. Um, so what the Jesse Reese Foundation does is they have these little joy jars um, full of toys packed up to the top. So cool. Um, but I ended up getting involved with them at the area code games in high school. Um, took a couple of hospital visits with them. And then once I got to Kentucky, tried to keep it going. So started taking some of my teammates and then some of the other teams at Kentucky to the hospital to deliver these joy jars. Eventually started hosting some kids at some home games. But obviously the last two years, COVID kind of 
knocked that out of the park. Wouldn't allow to, to do that anymore. But other than that, no, uh, they mean the world to me. And um, I got a pass that kind of points towards why I've fallen in love with something like that. But we can get into that later. Yeah, you know, we, we have great athletes all the time as far as like academically in the classroom and excelling athletically on the field. But it's, you know, not that the guys don't have a passion or a heart or a, a, a charitable bone. You, however, have created something and really created a culture at the University of Kentucky. And, you know, it's bled into the players, the coaches and the actual mantra. Like when you presented this idea to the coach, how was it received? And, and did you imagine that it would take off the way that it did? Um, honestly, going into it, I wasn't quite sure. Um, so when I got on campus, Coach Mingione had literally just been hired like two weeks before. Um, and he asked us to come in and we had our intro meetings and he wanted us to tell um, him our student or person and our player goal for the semester. And my person goal was to kind of start this relationship between the Jesse Reese Foundation and the University of Kentucky. And Coach Minch was very quick to say, sign me up, let's do it. We'll figure it out. We'll try to get in the hospital this fall. Um, so it ended up being accepted perfect. Um, but then at the same time, you got to find kids on the team that want to do it as well. And honestly, I didn't feel anything but support from the guys. I had to, I had to tell people no, trying to get into the hospital because we were only allowed eight to, 10, eight to 10 guys and I'd have 20 dudes wanting to come with me. So I had to literally make lists saying like, who's gone so I can bring the next, next time. Um, but no, everybody bought into it and loved it. You know, that, that speaks volumes for two reasons. One, it, it speaks to the leadership that you have on that team that guys you know, listen to you and they buy into what you're asking of them. Um, but also it just speaks to the quality of player and the character that, you know, the baseball team at the University of Kentucky, they, they go after and they look for, man, stand up guys, you especially leading, leading the way on that. Um, for the audience members that want to, you know, help out, donate, like what's, what's the best way to do that? Um, it's very easy. If you just type in the Jesse Reese Foundation, um, it's they make it pretty convenient for you to get right on their uh, page and donate. So if you just search it on Google, it'll be the first thing that pops up. I think it's actually negu.org, um, N-E-G-U.org. Um, that should take you right there, but they make it super easy. I don't know exactly where it is, but if I can find it, you guys can find it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely make sure we find it. We're going to promote that for you, but you know, also here on and off the bench, we like to lead by example as well. And, you know, our sponsors and, and Jim and I and Randy got together and we're going to get you a thousand dollars for team Negu and the Jesse Reese foundation. So oh my um, gosh, just wanted to throw that at you and let you know, I wanted to lead off with that, you know, kind of set the tone for, for tonight and, and just let you know that what you're doing is admirable. What you're, you're giving is, is something that not every athlete is doing. And I, I hope that they listen and I hope that they can find something that they can, you know, find as passionate about that you have with, with team Negu and, and they can, you know, do the same. That's absolutely incredible. I was not expecting that at all. And I know the Reese family will very, very appreciate it. Um, normally it takes about $20 to, make a joy jar 
So divide that by 20 and then you got that many amount of smiles across the country, across the world. Um, that's absolutely incredible. Thank you guys so much. That means more than you know. I can't even put it into words. So thank you guys. That's, it's the least that we can do, man. So, you know, with that, I know we'll, we'll get it more into Team NEGU. We'll get more into the foundation. But, you know, I want to I want to get to you, man. I want to tell your story and no better way to start than from the beginning. So let, let's get to it. Um, Terre Haute, Indiana. Tell me about Terre Haute, Indiana and and big city, small city. And what, what was it like growing up? So, yeah, born and raised in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah get it right come on i'm kidding i'm kidding um but yeah born and raised in Terre Haute, 1997 um not a super big town not a super small town about 60,000. um so kind of got that feel of a smallish hometown growing up i have a huge family um i'm one of 20 first cousins that all grew up literally within a bike ride away from each other um so didn't have to make friends growing up <laughs> I always had uh, cousins in the classroom, cousins in the hallways. Did I did not learn that skill until I got to college. <laughs> I bet I bet um, that family reunion barbecue was off the chain. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. But yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So I kind of already mentioned a little bit of how I got that passion for helping children and families and stuff. So, kind of the first major. Um, part of my life was my sister passed away when she was nine years old. I was seven. She had cerebral palsy and a few other things. Honestly, a few, not a few, a lot of other things. Um, but when she passed away, obviously she, she needed to leave Earth. She was very, very uncomfortable. Um, so I'm happy now. She's completely comfortable. Um, but through her life, um, I watched, I mean, I watched her fight. I mean, I only, I probably only have two or three years of memories from her life, but I can still remember her fighting every day, um, watching my parents help her. And then more importantly, watching child life, people come visit her in hospitals, come in for 10 minutes and entertain our family. And sometimes that would be the change of a whole day. Um, and sometimes the change of a day can change a month. And depending on that, you just never know where it's going to go from there. Um, so I didn't realize it at the time, but that's what eventually fueled me um, into helping out the Jesse Reese Foundation. So, you know, with that, you know, obviously you're a young kid. I think, what, were you seven when, when all this went Yeah, I was seven, seven, yeah. And, like, you could have easily just kind of, like, in, in the, the – the household could have just kind of been devastated and given up and it would have been understandable, but like, it seems like you've taken this and, and given life really a different perspective um, as far as what difficult really means. Um, so talk to me about that growing up as a seven-year-old, this happens, like what's the next step? Like how does the family adapt to this because i don't think you you forget you never get over it um but you, you know walk me through that because i can't I, I can't i can only imagine what that's like yeah um well i mean yeah obviously, like you never forget obviously the only thing that helps and even if that helps is time um so i think out of respect for my sister my parents made a point to raise me 
in a correct way that was based around helping others and accepting of others and um, trying to include everybody, especially those with special needs and fighting whatever they're fighting to be able to play alongside their peers and feel quote unquote normal. Um, so I have my parents to thank on that end of it. But other than that, I'm sure anybody else that had lost a sibling or a parent at a young age um, would pretty much say the same thing is that you just have to keep moving forward. And as you grow, year goes by, year goes by, never forget, but you start adapting to the fact that it happened and pretty much just try to learn from it. Um, do you think do you think sports gave you an outlet but also gave your family a way to like come together and bring strength within each other i'm sure i'm sure it did at that age i probably wasn't able to comprehend something that deep so i'm not sure <laughs> but my, my brother played sports uh he played in high school i um, ended up playing in college and then I was right behind them six years um, playing sports too. So if anything, it would have served as a distraction for sure, um, especially for my parents being able to pour into the both of us, um, providing us with the resources we needed to be successful. Um, so yeah, I'm sure it was somewhat therapeutic at the time. Um, but then again, that was when I was eight, nine, 10 years old. Anytime I was on the ball field, I was just thinking about ball. <laughs> you know, and as a kid, something trying to comprehend something that deep, you you obviously you don't understand it until you get older. But you know, I, I hear it all the time, and you know, sports become an outlet to get away from certain things, or of whether it being a, a home life that's in shambles, or you know, a death, or you know, it could be anything. But as a kid growing up, was baseball the only sport where you and your brother multi-sport athletes? What was the case? Uh, well, yeah, this is a good little way into the next part of my life. So, yeah, like uh, once I got into middle school, it would have been 12. Um, I was kind of playing football, baseball, basketball. I was throwing shot put on the track team. Um, kind of was, I'm pretty sure my parents did on purpose. I wrestled. I'm pretty sure my dad was doing it on purpose, but trying to just make me as well-rounded and keep me moving. Cause I was a big boy. Um, so yeah, I did that. And then, um, kind of went through middle school, um, side note, had a pretty good little league team. We were one win away from going to Williamsport. Um, it was, it was, it was a pretty neat experience. We won state, um, we played on ESPN and the, I think they call it the regional, tournament like you know those little games that get played right before they go to Williamsport played in one of those oh, yeah. but lost lost to Hamilton Ohio and they just played in the championship um are you the yeah, kid that, was, that said I just hit dingers is that you <laughs> no I don't even think that was like a thing yet I don't know I don't, we didn't even use the term dingers we call it like we call them bombs back then bomber bombs <laughs> but no it was little league's incredible um the passion around it and then it's just so much fun watching kids even now it's always nostalgic in a way um, you know I, yeah. I was gonna i was gonna ask if, if travel ball was your your thing but i mean when you tell me you go into williamsport i mean like of course it was um you know you're the best of the best for your area on a team and you know that's amazing that's a that's a feat in and of itself 
Um, but at that time, was was Kyle Schwarber your guy? Kyle Schwarber. Let's see. He would have been in college when I got into high school. Um, so I remember hearing his name in college and knowing that he was good, but he didn't become like my guy until 2016. You know, when Cubs won the World Series. That's what I thought. I I figured this was a late edition. So, who was an influence as far as a pro baseball player was when you're, you know, on on a travel team growing up prior to high school? Like, who are you looking up to? Who are you modeling your game after? I would almost every night watch Barry Bonds. Almost every single night watch Barry Bonds on YouTube. Like, even so, when I was 13, started playing wood bat tournaments, I started using Sambat, Barry Bonds model, and I used it in the Cape in 2019. I literally, like, he was was my guy. Um, Now, obviously, we don't have the exact same swing, um, but something was, I mean, obviously just so intriguing about watching home runs. And I mean, he was doing I, I, I saw I saw you in the home run derby, man. I, <laughs> uh, I, I saw you hitting it. OK, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Barry would put one over uh, the scoreboard. I only I only hit it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very, very humble brag. You just just hit it. No big deal. You know? Yeah, no biggie. No biggie. Um, um, so so as you're growing up, um, obviously, you I mean, are and you're transitioning, you know, towards high school is football and shot put and wrestling. Are you still doing those things as you enter high school or was it, did you slowly transition just to a baseball guy? It was not slow at all. (laughs) I played all those sports in eighth grade and stopped all of them my freshman year of high school. Um, Kind of, got into freshman year or the summer before freshman year um, was playing travel ball. That was kind of, I don't remember exactly why, but I remember thinking in my head, like, okay, I could actually do something with this sport, um, get a scholarship or, and then that's when I started having dreams of being a professional baseball player. And when those started happening, I think I said, okay, let's focus full-time on baseball. And that just happens, happened to happen right going into my freshman year. Um, it's almost it, it almost yeah, seems trying... like it was a, a conversation that like your dad maybe had he was like all right here's the ultimatum tj you got to do all these things until high school and then in high school you can decide and you're like all right i'm done all of them just baseball but i mean yeah. what, what you're it, it, what you're saying you know it makes sense i mean if you have aspirations to play at the highest level um you almost have to devote you know your your sole purpose to that one thing because I, I will say this growing up in Tennessee you get a lot of multi-sport athletes because of the seasons and I'm sure in Indiana you you get a lot of the same um, but living down in Florida like you got warm weather all the time and you can't have, like sports are going on all year like you can't get you can't so solidly get better at something unless you stick to just that one sport. So you get a lot of singular sport athletes down here. Um, but, you know, going into high school, you went to North Vigo. Is that correct? Yep. Terrell North Patriots. Yeah, yeah. The Patriots, man. So is that a big school, a small school? What was your graduating class? How many people? So I think I graduated, like, right with 400 maybe. 
it might have been 350. We were considered 4A, which is the largest in Indiana, but we were one of the smaller 4A schools. Um, so we relatively we were a large high school in Indiana. Yeah, uh, Jim, Jim will tell you it was similar for the high school that we grew up in. We were um, about 500 kids graduating class um, out in the middle of the soybean field. <laughs> Tennessee so it's all fun and games until you had to run in them yeah yeah it sounds like a blast yeah there, there's a, a lone a lonely tree that when when the team got in trouble we had to run to the lonely tree and pull a leaf from the tree and from from your your eyesight it doesn't really look that far but as you start running you quickly realize the tree seems to get further and further uh-huh. and further away but uh yeah, so I mean, I, I can picture the type of school and, and the, the amount of kids that you had in it. Now, were you athletic guy? Were you academic? Were you a little bit of both? Where did you fall on, the, on that continuum? Um, honestly, a little bit of both. Um, like school at that college is a whole different story, but the level of education, middle school and high school came supernatural to me. Um, now, obviously, there's some classes where I had to try a lot harder and get good grades, um, but ultimately ended not being top of the class, but kind of up there a little bit. Um, and then athletically, um, I had just got some attention that year from having a really good season. So any anytime you're in high school as a freshman and you have some success, then all of a sudden you end up getting some attention from everybody. You get attention from some of the older guys and then you're automatically cool and <laughs> all that. So it was, it was a little bit of both, but um, as it went on, as I got closer to college, it definitely turned, and I regret this, it turned less, less academic and more probably athletic sport focused. Well, I, I can, I can see, and I can totally understand. Um, obviously, you know, like most, athletes at your caliber you do enough whether that's a whole lot or just enough like to me like you got into a college you did what you were supposed to do what you were asked so um but with that in high school you know I want to get into the the baseball part now you were ranked fifth the fifth catcher in your class out of and the 73rd player overall you were an all-state player all four years you had a school record for single season home runs with 17 uh, RBIs with 51 and walks with 45. And you were the 2016 Indiana Mr. Baseball. Um, So with that, a lot of different years combined to those accolades, but what was you, what would you say is your best season as a team, but also your best season personally in high school? Um, That'd be the same answer actually. So uh, my sophomore year was that year that you were just talking about the 17 home run year um, with the walks and the RBIs. Um, but also we had an absolute incredible team should have been state champions, um, but ended up climbing through the ranks. We beat, um, I forget what our record was during the season, but it was really good. Then we went into postseason, um, and we had this pitcher named Austin Hicks. And when I say he could throw 10 different pitches from 10 different arm slots, 
that's what he did. He literally, I started having to like give two different signs as a catcher to say like pitch and arm slot because he didn't throw super hard. I mean, he threw probably for high school, he threw 80 to 83. So it's pretty good, but he wasn't like a huge fastball guy that just blew it past people. Um, so he was really fun to watch, but he did incredible for us. Um, and the regional, or I forget what it's called. Yeah. Regional championship game. Um, I don't know if, if you remember this name, but uh, we faced uh, Ash Russell. He was a Indiana kid, first round draft pick from Cathedral High School. He was throwing low to mid nineties at the time. And I'm telling you, our office, our offense was incredible. We put up, I didn't, I struck out three times, but our offense put up, um, our offense put up seven earned on them. Um, wow. And I think knocked him out in the fifth or something. Um, and then after that kind of cruised into a state championship and lost to Noblesville by one run. Did, um, did I read this right? You guys went to state three times or state championship three times? Twice. Twice. So that sophomore year, my sophomore year was our first time um, going. And then the next year um, we had a great team and I loved them. I loved my teammates to death. It was a completely different team than the year before kind of some of those seniors moved on and got a new group in. Um, but we had just an okay regular season and the road just started being paved. We got into the postseason and each game in front of us, an upset happened, went to them, beat the worst team, an upset happened, beat the first team. And then we find ourselves in another state championship two years in a row. Um, not trying to underplay it at all. Cause we were still really good. Cause we played an incredible pin, um, pin high school team. Um, with another top five draft, top five round draft pick, um, Skylar Sinski, um, and then another one run ball game. Um, we didn't hit as good against him as we did against Ash, but <laughs> um, so yeah, we ended up runner up twice, um, which devastating, but at the same time, it was cool to say that we were part of the team that went there two years in a row. Um, and also another side note, it's kind of funny. My now fiance's um, dad coaches high school for Zionsville High School. And the following year, he went to state and lost. So we have three combined years in a row with state runner-ups. Oh. oh, man. <laughs> tough, 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 tough. You know, it's, you say it, but it, there's something to be said because winning, winning in baseball, in my opinion, is is the hardest sport to win in consistently um, as far as winning at the, at the highest level, winning a championship at baseball is just extremely hard. I mean, like, like you said, sometimes you got to get a little bit lucky. Um, and a lot of times you got to get a little bit lucky. Um, you know, you can only, you, you said the road started getting paid for you, but you can only play who's in front of you and, and, and you kind of go from there. But um was it high school ball or was it travel ball? Like, when did you realize that going to college and playing what was obtainable for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll backpedal a little bit. Got ahead of myself. Um, but I attribute my recruiting process to one single tournament. It was my 15-year-old year with the Indiana Bulls. Um, we went to the WWBA and East Cobb. Um, you know, that tournament's huge. It's like 
392 teams, something crazy. Um, we ended up getting runner up in the tournament. Um, I ended up getting MVP of the tournament because I, I couldn't miss the ball. I was hitting doubles, triples, home runs, everything. It was the best tournament I ever played. Um, and then ever since that day, I started getting those phone calls, um, which again, as that age, super stressful. You don't know how to talk to adults. You're just on the phone, mumbling through yourself. I have a really funny story about my first call to Notre Dame. Um, I was embarrassed to call in front of my mom, so I made my mom leave the room, but I didn't know she was just standing around the corner listening to me. But it was Coach Woods. He's the recruiting coordinator. And I pick up the phone. He doesn't answer. I wasn't prepared for that. So now I have to leave a voicemail. I'm like, hey, Coach Woods, this is TJ Collette. Um, I, I heard you wanted me to give you a call. Um, by the way, this is TJ Collette with Terre Haute North High School, Indiana Bulls. So just give me a call back whenever you can. Um, it's TJ Collette. And I repeated my name like three or four times. I was just sweating. And through the middle of the phone call, I hear my mom start laughing in the background. So then I'm even more flustered because she's listening. Um, but yeah, ultimately, somewhat of a short recruiting process. Um, ended up committing to the University of Kentucky by my sophomore season, kind of right in the middle of my sophomore season. Um, and that was just a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, and kind of what went into that decision was I ultimately decided I wanted to play in the SEC. Um, just an incredible conference, best in the country, in my opinion. But then again, I'm biased. Well, let, let me ask you this first. You, you neglect, well, so you, you said, you know, sophomore year you commit. But, like, does that take the pressure off to just play baseball? Yes, 100%. So do, you, do you think? getting drafted out of high school was a byproduct of having that pressure off and it just kind of, you could just play the game and all of a sudden, boom, like you're on a radar to be drafted. Yes, I would, I would definitely say that. Um, once I got that pressure off of me, I ended up having one of the, so I finished off the season, played super freely because when you're going through that recruiting process, you, and this, if anybody's listening that's going through a process right now or going to, um, you start playing baseball for other people. You start playing baseball for the person watching you in the stands or the person watching you at a showcase instead of playing for yourself and learning how to keep having fun and playing for your teammates, playing for your coach. Um, and that's just not a good place to be in. So once that decision was made, it reminded me, reminded me very quickly what it meant to actually play baseball and not play for somebody else. And I think that helped me along the lines, um, down the line with my MLB process. Yeah. So before we move on, I got to say, Daniel, you know, me and him are older, TJ, and we grew up on landlines. Daniel, when he was telling that story, did you picture like when you used to be on the phone and somebody in the house picked up the phone and you'd yell, hang on the phone, mom? Yeah, man. You, we used to have this 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 phone with a cord, and the cord was like six hundred feet long, and like you could walk it from the receiver all the way up the stairs and kind of sit on top of the stairs and like get away from everybody. That's that's what I pictured. You mean exactly. they've not, not always been wireless? 
No, man, we're we're old cats. Yeah, no, I, I can picture it. Yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> we did we did have a cordless phone eventually, but you know, hey, it is what it is, man. Yeah. So yeah, what, you what, could always listen in, listen in on that. TJ, what what you know about dial up connection? I can picture the sound. That's it. That's the you only wanna, memory I have. You want to talk about some heated arguments? If you have a, a brother or sister or a parent and you're on like instant messenger on a, a dial-up connection and somebody picks up the phone, mm, mm. That's, 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 that's bad. Especially when you were talking to a girl, man. Oh, mess you up. Just mess it up so bad. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but like I said, we're, we're old. But get, getting back into it, you know, you talked about Kentucky and then you talked about Notre Dame. Um, was there a list of schools that you were choosing from or was there something about Kentucky that just made it easy for you? Um, for a while, it was near the end, obviously, it did turn into a very, very easy decision. But for a while, it was between um, I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Um, watched Notre Dame football growing up. Um, don't ask, don't quiz me on any trivia. I won't know, but would always watch. Um, um, and then kind of started talking to Stanford a little bit, um, but never got to take a visit out there because we knew that if we were going to make the investment to go make a trip out there, it was going to be to commit. Um, but talked to that staff for a long time. And then when it came down to it, my top three were Indiana State because it's in my backyard in Terre Haute. Um, and I always had a love for playing in front of my family because it's so big. So that was always in the back of my mind of staying home, playing in front of my hometown, um, trying to help our home college win. And then my number two, I'd probably say was Purdue. Um, Purdue was one of my first offers. So I had a really soft spot in my heart for a really long time. Um, and, um, kind of fell in love with the school and, but it was all big and fun. It was one of my first visits. It was my first visit to like a big college and it was just a cool, very cool experience. Um, and then on top of that, I think like four years before me, they had just had a really, really good catcher, Kevin Plawecki, go through their system. Um, so that was encouraging to me to see another catcher do, do well there. And then in the end, um, started taking visits to Kentucky. I have a funny story. My first visit, um to Kentucky it was raining freezing just miserable and I can still remember being in the back seat leaving the visit and the first thing I said to my dad was I never want to come back here again <laughs> and somehow coach Bohannon that he's now head coach with Alabama coach Bohannon convinced me to come back for a second visit it was sunny and great and I loved it and fell in love and um, I think I ended up taking like six or eight unofficial visits and then um, eventually decided to commit. Well, shout out to, to coach for, for brainwashing you because you went from never <laughs> wanting to come back to numerous visits and then obviously picking there. You know, before we get into your time in Lexington, I got to tell you something, TJ, man. I've prepared. I looked it, I looked it up. You are a 28th SEC baseball player guest, and I've prepared for a lot of episodes. Brother, I have never seen an accolades list like this in my life. Like, we ain't even going to be able to talk about everything or we'll be on here for hours. So, like, we, we're going to go through your college career, but we're going to have to we have to take some stuff out because you got a lot of bold print in here. So, man, shout out to you for all this I'm looking at. But uh, 
you know, I, I told I told Jim TJ I, in in text. I said, "This is the measuring stick," and then I sent him the rundown of the show, and he was like, "He's like, <laughs> that's that's a that's a four hour four hour saga." And then and then we're and then we're down a host. So I'm like, I get the whole Kentucky portion. So I was like, "Whoo, all right." So, but with that, you know, you arrived to Lexington. You said you've been there numerous times, but you get there, you're you're officially a student, man. What are the emotions like? Um, it was. It's gonna sound funny. It was miserable. Um, so back for or back step a couple years. So going into my senior year of high school, I had a hip surgery recovered, thought nothing of it, thought it was a fluke, blah, 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 all that. Then going the summer going into um, college, I just gone through a draft and I didn't get drafted. Um, so not going to lie, I was pretty upset for a week or two about that. Um, I always wanted to go to college, but when you're that age and you're getting the chance to get drafted, you automatically, you start playing the future in your head. You're like, I'm getting through the minor leagues in two years and I'll be in the bigs by the time I'm 21. Um, but didn't ended up playing some summer baseball with a collegiate summer league team in my hometown and ended up tearing my PCL in my right knee. So that's why I was getting there because I had that surgery two weeks before I got on campus. So I was still drugged up in a lot of pain, couldn't even put on my own socks. And I was expected to go live in a dorm with a guy that I just met, Brett Marshall, um, and I'm having to call him into my room the first morning to help me put on my socks. Um, so other than that, that part was kind of weird, having to get around campus on crutches. Um, I mean, so I'm tying miserable to Lexington right now because you've used it twice now. <laughs> it gets it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> but obviously, as we go on, I start feeling better. I get into my routine. And then um, being a collegiate student athlete is – honestly really really fun um it's like every movie you've ever watched you wake up you go to school um school's like three hours in college which is a great surprise coming from high school um so you go to class in the morning and then you go to practice and you get to play on an sec field and watch these guys that are just stud juniors um kind of play into their role play into their big season uh, unfortunately the first full fall I just had to sit, sit on the bench and watch and try to be the best teammate I could be. Um, but on top of that, trying to stay in shape, which didn't work out well because I wasn't moving and I was a freshman in college and eating whatever I want. Um, but yeah, that was a somewhat, I had a lot of fun, especially with making new friends. I had a really good group of guys um, that helped me out. Um, had a lot of fun, but didn't get to play much baseball. Actually, I got to play no baseball my freshman fall. Well, you mentioned, you know, observing, though, and we have talked to, you know, so many guys, and sometimes it's amazing what happens when you sit back and you do observe and what you do learn, and you mentioned it immediately because you started mentioning those older guys. So it's, you know, while it does, um, you know, it's no fun to not be able to participate, you are able to learn something if you take the time to, to pay attention and study. So I imagine based upon your career, you did do that. Yes, 100%. We had guys like Evan White. Um, Sean Jelly, Tristan Pompey, Riley Mahan, all dudes that are sniffing the big leagues right now, or Evan White's in the big leagues. Zach Pop, he's in the big leagues. Um, we just had an incredible group, and all, all I could do at the time was focus on my therapy and rehab and try to learn as much as I could from them. 
Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I focused on in the fall and then spring rolls around and um, I'm off crutches, still have this huge brace on my leg. Um, Coach Minge brought me into a meeting right before the season started um, and told me that he wants to coach for, that he wants me to coach first base. So um, I get some exposure actually being in the game because looking back, I'm sure is because he saw me playing as a sophomore and he didn't want me to just sit out and redshirt the whole season. Um, so I traveled with the team, coached first base, learned a lot, honestly, from coaching first base. Um, and then the week before the SCC uh, season started, I got cleared by my doctor. So Coach Minge got me out on, or got cleared to hit and jog. That's it. Um, so I told Minge that I want to pinch hit for you guys. And he was like, I don't know if you can do that, TJ. Um, so we set up a little pitcher versus hitter um, practice the day before we left for Texas A&M. And I mean, I can't make this up. It was like a movie scene. I went three for three with three home runs after a 12 month recovery <laughs> off of, I mean, I hadn't seen pitching in forever and I was just crushing the ball. Um, and TJ, TJ that, convinced... that, that is the ultimate mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I, oh, you have no clue. I felt like the coolest guy on campus. Cause yeah, go ahead. I wanted, I wanted to ask you though, did coach Mench know that you had surgery prior to you coming on campus? Yes, yes. All right. Well, he, when he had just got hired and then he knew that I was getting surgery pretty much like as soon as he talked to me for the first time. Gotcha. So then the second question is, when you were asked to coach first base, were you then like, like brought into like coaching philosophy and talks or were you still on the player side? I was, I was still pretty much on the player side. Coach Minge, um, the like couple scrimmages leading up to the series would stand out there with me, like a couple, couple innings each scrimmage just to make sure I'm doing all the right stuff, gave me tips, and then he kind of just let me run with it. I only got one person picked off the whole year, so I'll take yeah, it. <laughs> I, I was looking at this accolades list. I was going to see if it had, uh, you know, best first base coach since you already had everything else on here. Thought, thought maybe there was potential for it. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I make a joke with the guys that I'm the reason for that 2017 uh, super regional that we went to. There yeah. you go. You are the you are the reason. <laughs> no, but hey, my you know you you touched on it, so it made it easier. Kind of asking the question, I was going to ask you know because you had to wait so long to get into the game that season, and you were talking about you know the first start in, in Missouri. I was going to ask if you're nervous, but then you tell me this three for three bomb story. So, like, are you locked and loaded and amped now, or are you still nervous? Yeah, well, after that weekend, after that little practice with the team where I hit all those home runs, I was, like, pumped. I'm like, I'm about to be a starter. I'm going to DH. I'm going to do all this. So, um, we fly to Texas A&M, um, and I get in a bat. I forget. I think it was Saturday. Um, get in a bat fastball curveball change up I'm already walking back to the dugout before I even know what happened um, and then after that weekend we ended up I think we swept them on the road which was incredible um, but after that weekend got one midweek at bat against Western Kentucky and walked and then we played Old Miss that next weekend and this was my first technically um, hit of my career 
um, bases were loaded, full count, threw me a fastball, and I got a hold of it and hit a home run. And I still remember rounding the bases, and I was like, man, this SEC thing is going to be so easy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm the best hitter in the world as I'm rounding the bases. And then I ended the season with 25 at-bats and hit under 100. So I deserved it. Um, oh man no hey that's the that's the first time this episode uh you, you you weren't acting humble you gotta you gotta have a little fun with it and i'm gonna be honest with you tj because uh i'm out of north mississippi and a good portion of our listening audience is old miss and mississippi state fans so we'll throw a little salt in that you hit the grand slam for your first at bat against them and you know we got some more <laughs> old miss uh stats coming up so don't worry we'll, we'll throw a little extra salt on there so we'll see we'll, Let's get into the let's get into the 2017 Super Region as you talked about. Like, uh, you know, regardless of your season as a whole, that experience is still something um, that's amazing to be a part of. Uh, just just walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, it was super special to be a part of, um, especially watching some of those seniors and leaving juniors get the chance to win because the years leading up to that, Kentucky just wasn't a team in the SEC that succeeded in that way. So watching them um, take that on was just really special because by the end of the season, we're all best friends. And I still think of some of them as brothers, probably for the rest of our lives. So um, it was just really neat to watch them have that success um, while I could do anything that I could help um, do. I pretty much would just try to make them laugh on first, but watching them re win a regional um, was incredible to see happen in Lexington. It was the first one in school history. Um, I was like kind of on the side of the dog pile. So um, that was fun. I made sure I didn't get hurt again. Yeah, um, let's say the way you get injured, you might want to stay to the side. Yep. Yep. I made sure of it. Um, but then, yeah, we went to uh, a Louisville Super Regional and um, they were just a really, really good team. I don't think we could have been paired up with the worst team in the Super Regional other than I forget who won that year, but Louisville was really, really good, and they beat us in two. And um, always hard to watch a season end, but at the same time, you could tell how proud of the team was and those guys that were leaving, they were happy to leave on those terms. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I'm glad you got to be a part of that process. But for you individually, it seemed like the summer you were able to pick something up. You know, you played for Amsterdam, you batted 375, you slugged 639, your PGCBL, All-Star Baseball, America tabbed you as the top prospect in the league. Um, so, I mean, clearly going and playing in that summer league, you were able to find, you know, what you were looking for, getting a groove. Yeah, for sure. No, um, that was as a younger collegiate athlete, um, it's pretty cool to go live somewhere for two months and play baseball every single day with no school. Um, so yeah, went out there and had some success, um, learned what it was like to, um, play every single day, which was kind of like, in my mind, I was trying to treat it as the minor leagues at that time. I was like, okay, this is what it's going to be like if I'm going to be playing every single day. Um, ultimately, yeah, I had some success there, um, but broke my foot halfway through the season and went home. <laughs> I got hit by a fastball, broke my foot, left. Um, and then after that summer, headed into sophomore year fall, which was a blur, um, it was just not good. I was not playing very well. Um, 
running into some mental health things that I just, I just wasn't very good at failing. Uh, classes weren't going great. Um, not sleeping well. Um, so that was kind of a, a rough little fall. Um, learned a lot though. Um, not as much as I learned junior, senior and fifth year, but that was kind of, I think I tried to erase as many memories from that fall as I can, because I don't remember a ton of it. Well, well, speaking of erasing memories, I wish I wouldn't have looked up who won the national championship that year because um, me, Daniel, and Randy, you know, we don't agree on too much, but there is one school that we universally do not like, and it is Florida, and that is who won it all that year. They were actually who knocked That's right. Louisville. Yeah. So. That's right. Yeah. It would have been Fido. Would Singer have been there? I think Singer might have been there, but no, they had they had staff and could hit. So I wish we wouldn't even brought it up. Now I had to see sorry, Florida. Sorry about that. Florida in bold print. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 2018, you know, 34 games, 304, 27 runs, 10 home runs, 34 RBIs. But like, I mean, you've been talking about these injuries, you know, here you are again. I mean, we got to put you in bubble wrap, bro. Like, it's every Just year. I got, I got a hip. I got a knee. I got a foot. Like, bro. Oh, it, oh, it keeps getting better. So buckle up. I mean, and you, and you were a wrestler and a football player. Like, dude, you should have been built stronger than all the rest of these baseball cats. You should have been able to withstand anything. I don't understand. You're an Iron Man. I guess so, but I think God had some different plans for me or something. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I, I, you know, I got to mention though, before the injury. You homered in four straight games, becoming the first Kentucky player to do that since Sawyer Carroll in 2008, and you were the Collegiate Baseball National Player of the Week, man. Um, I mean, that's got to feel amazing. I know I know. you said you felt on top of the world on that, that Grand Slam, and you talked about things, but, I mean, to actually be the National Player of the Week, to have a week like that, just what was that like? It was, it was, it was incredible. Again, felt on top of the world. Honestly, the – first half of that season um I, I hit 10 home runs in the first 30 games and I finally felt like TJ again athletically I feel like TJ as far as the baseball TJ goes um and then uh Saturday or Sunday against Georgia uh, kind of the first half halfway through the SEC season um felt a tweak in my hip again and got an MRI and had to get another surgery so that out that second half of the 2018 season then had to sit at home I was supposed to go play in the Cape that summer sat at home all summer rehabbed um let's see went back in the fall as a junior um just was getting over my my hip surgery and uh was this yeah, yeah. Gosh, I get them mixed up. So yeah, just got over my hip surgery, and at the end of the fall, found out I needed to get another surgery on my knee because my knee started acting up. So I didn't play much baseball that fall, and then by then I was still I was going into the 2019 season. I was finishing up a rehab on my hip and my knee, um, but no excuses at all. I was completely healthy when the season started, but looking back, I think I was a little mentally worn out. Um, had one of the worst seasons of my career. Um, Daniel, as as I think, ever, Daniel, I think I figured out why he hits home runs because if he runs the bases, there's potential for injury. It, it clearly <laughs> seems to say so. He's like, I'm just going to knock it out and, and, you know, be able to casually jog around the bases, which, you know, I got to ask you, you know, a question. Regardless of that season, 
you know, you mentioned Barry Bonds and being a fan. Um, you got to play in Minute Maid Park, which is a, is a major league stadium, and you hit two home runs, including one that was to the upper deck. Did you kind of feel like Barry Bonds for a minute? Yes, I will not lie. I felt pretty cool doing that. Um, I remember getting a hold of the pitch. It was a lefty low and inside fastball, which I normally actually – I don't hit the low and inside fastball very well, um, but I got a hold of it. Um, but then I saw it hit the upper deck, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> did, did you know it did you know it off the bat you're like oh, oh i knew i knew it was gone i didn't know it was gonna hit the upper deck but it just kind of kept going man did you did you at least watch it for a second like i mean did you did you see see it travel the whole way or were you doing your job and running the bases i i no i i definitely was looking but i i haven't been one for much like i don't i don't I've never been good at pimping home runs. I kind of just like naturally hit the ball and start running. Um, now there's like a couple exceptions to that, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I was, I was looking at it, but I was running. Look, yeah. let me, let me tell you this, DJ, if I ever hit the ball in the first row of the <laughs> outfield, I'm a pimp it hard. Like, like yeah, you, the, you haven't seen the, the likes of this pimp job that I would do. <laughs> Daniel, the disappointment we got, we, you know, we had we had Cade Beloso from LSU and Josh Hatcher on within like a four-episode span. And, uh, you know, they talked about LSU and Mississippi State kind of having a little bit of bad blood. And so we challenged them that if either of them hit a home run against each other, that they had to, to bat flip and stare the other one down. And they both agreed to it. And neither of them not only didn't hit a home run, but they didn't do very well at all. So highly disappointed in our guys. We we needed that action. We we wanted yeah, to start sure. something, didn't get it. Uh, we do have <laughs> we do have a guest that you're familiar with coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, you know, Drew Gilbert to teach us all about the the bat flip. Oh my gosh, one of the the biggest and maybe baseball history. Dude. It was. Uh, it is incredible. So let me ask you this. As long as it's not against your team, TJ, is that fun to watch? Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, perfectly fine if it's not against me. <laughs> and even and even if it's against me, I'm probably going to act tough and all mad. But deep down, I'm going to be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So was that, was that something that, like, all teams in the SEC were watching, like, regardless of it being against them they're like oh, oh did y'all see that so i think well, that was in the that was in the postseason right the the no the the one that he did that was epic was against lsu in the regular season but he had quite a few of them he had four different walk-offs where he did he did that that's why he was that's villainized right. big time I'm, but the lsu I, one yeah. was the was the the nasty one that's yeah okay but yeah no uh i mean we rarely got to watch other teams play, um, depending on the time, but we were always watching. We'd come home from the series and throw an SEC network and we'd see all the highlights. So I'm, I can assume that other schools were doing that too and watching. So, um, I mean, SEC baseball is fun to watch. So the, yeah, this, this episode is about you, TJ, but I'm going to ask Daniel a question in front of you and then I'm going to get your perspective. I'm going to keep using previous guests and I'm going go to I'm gonna go to that series, but go to the postseason. Daniel, did Devin Fontenot hit Liam Spence on purpose? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and Devin Fontenot didn't think that bat flip was funny either. <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had Devin on, and he was completely professional and said he had no bad blood against 
Tennessee, but me and Daniel were actually, I was in Florida with Daniel watching that game. And it looked, it looked like it was, it was definitely aimed that direction. If not, that was a pretty, that ball got pretty loose. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can, you can tell when there's some intent behind it too, but who knows? Sometimes it does get away, but I like to think sometimes it's on purpose too. <laughs> the the way that you've hit home runs on guys, I, um, I've seen I've seen in the stats how many times you've been hit by pitch. I can only imagine that some of those were on purpose. I don't know. I I, t- I take my hit by pitches because I don't walk a ton. <laughs> of course, then again, you get injured so much. I mean, you need to avoid getting hit by that pitch at all costs. You need to drop to dirt. I know, but I'm just not quick enough to get out of the way. I'm too slow. Well, hey, uh, you know what? Perfect segue. So you say slow. I want to talk about. April 2nd, 2019, you stole your first career base and hit a triple in the same game, your first one. Oh, I Dude. didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway. I man. didn't know it was in the same game. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, what what happened? You you obviously ate your Wheaties that day. Oh, well, I can tell you exactly what happened. That stolen base was a first and third play, and they didn't even throw it on the second. So, I got oh, the stolen base. Humble, humble again. And, and then my Filder, triple. Fielder's indifference. The, yeah, the um, the left fielder um, is a line drive, kind of like a shallow line drive, and he dove and got past him. So I can't say that they were legit, but they happened. They definitely happened. <laughs> they they are, they are here in the stat sheet, so that's all that matters. Uh, yep. He 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 faked an injury just so he could get some time to to catch his breath. Yes, definitely. So, so I said you come back around to Ole Miss, man. And hey, let me tell you something: back-to-back game-winning home runs in a doubleheader against the number ten team in the nation—that's uh, impressive. Like they definitely probably don't like you in Oxford, man. Um, yeah, well, that weekend went my way for sure. Um, I was seeing the ball pretty well. I won't lie. Um, Trying to remember, one of those home runs was against Doug Nikhazy. That's how you say it, right, Nikhazy? Yeah, and that's one of our guests. Look at that; it all connects. Really? Yeah, <laughs> but he was—I think he was a freshman that year. Um, hey, it doesn't but, matter. He's—he's he's a Cleveland Indian now. You hit off a pro. <laughs> but no, that that, uh, that week—I mean, that weekend for the University of Kentucky was really, really good too. We ended up with seven total wins, and I think that was our only series win. And we squeaked it out in one day because it was uh, two double headers, two seven innings in one day. Uh, we squeaked out a series win. Hey, um, take it however you get it, especially in the SEC. Sure, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that that season, that was a really good weekend. But other than that, it was one of those seasons where I tried to <laughs> forget as much as I can. It was a season that none of us really enjoyed. Obviously, we all enjoy each other and love playing baseball. But when you're losing like that, it's just not a blast. But you know what? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for the the silver lining in this. And we started the episode with with talking about the the things that you do off the field. And the thing that I noticed for the the 18 and 19 seasons, you know, um, you got the SEC Community Service Team awards. You know, so like, was that for what we've been talking about previous, or was that for a whole bunch of things? How how did that work? Honestly, it would have just been uh, the Jesse Reese Foundation stuff. So I just tried to continue to grow as much as much as possible. Um, and then I think it was no, that would have been my sophomore year. My sophomore year and junior year was when we started actually having kids from the hospital come to the games and chill in the dugout before the game and say hi, give high fives, 
Yeah, man, I saw uh, I saw the video clips, man. It, it it got it got me uh yeah, it got to the heartstrings, bro, for real. Uh, so once again, you know, Daniel got to talk to you about it earlier, but um, I applaud you. You know, like you said, your teammates for joining in the the University of Kentucky fans that I saw, you know, standing up and cheering. So um, that's cool. And so you know, even in you know when you're not winning games, um, you know, you're still going to school, you're getting things done academically, you're doing stuff off the field so you're making the best uh, of the whole situation through through everything that you're facing especially with the adversity of injuries but um you know something that I really want to ask you about me and Daniel in high school Daniel on a guess how many times did we watch summer catch I mean every night for about <laughs> four months all right so I say that because the Cape Cod League does is just because we've never been there and it's all a movie for us. Like it's uh-huh. just, it's majestic to us. So tell us about 2019 playing in the Cape. Well, I mean, you'll, you guys will never guess, but I like legit had my own summer catch. <laughs> so my, my fiance and I met in the Cape. Um, she was a team intern and uh, long story short, that's a whole different story, but long story short, um, her dad and her uncle coached me for like two years and I didn't know she exists until we went out there met her. And then we just hung out, ended up dating and now we're engaged. Um, but as far as playing goes out there, it was the most fun summer of my life. Um, after my junior year, again, not drafted super mad at the world kind of like started doubting myself a little bit, but went out to the Cape and promised myself that I was, wasn't going to take it for granted. And, learn how to live life more rather than just baseball. So I promised myself that I'd see somewhere new every single day because there's so many beautiful places out there. So every morning I woke up at 6 a.m. and went and saw something new every single day to kind of put life in perspective um, that there's more than just baseball. But then at night would go and play at these historic fields against these historic programs um, and just played completely carefree. I don't want to say that I like had a mindset of not caring, but it was pretty close. Um, Like not caring as much as you can while still playing hard and trying to win. Um, And I learned how to be completely learned how to be myself again. It was the best I had felt mentally, um, physically. I lost like 15 pounds out there. Um, It was just an incredible experience. And then not gonna lie on top of that, leading the league in home runs was also really fun. So (laughs) it was, it was just an incredible summer and um, it was truly, it's going to sound cliche, but life-changing. That's kind of where my life made a turn. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that summer was incredible. Daniel, I mean, he just made it that much better for us. You know, he, he talks about, he met his fiance and, and, you know, then he turns his life around and now the Cape really is just magical to me. Like I may not want to go there because it may not live up to my expectations at this point. No, it's a, you need, you you need to go. It's, it's incredible. Well, speaking of places I did go, I did go to Omaha this year for the whole thing. And in that same summer, you did a home run derby there. And I think that's what Daniel was alluding to earlier. How was that experience? Um, The closest thing I've ever felt to be a major leaguer. Um, you get flown in by um, the NCAA. I think it might've been in partnership with somebody else too. I kind of forget, but you get, I think there were three of us from the Cape all hopped on the same flight, flew to Omaha. 
Um, you get there, you get picked up, you get in a super nice hotel. Um, you wake up, you go get to take BP in the park, do a bunch of interviews, just the whole, everything that you think happened probably happened. Um, and then on top of that, being able to play or hit hitting the home run derby in front of a big crowd at that cool of a stadium and having all those cameras around you, it's a little stressful, but at the same time, it's like really the closest thing to playing in the MLB as far as attention goes. So it was kind of like the little kid in me kind of came out um, and I just let myself enjoy it. Almost hit the bottom of the scoreboard. As here's TJ Collette, nine in the first round. Yeah, 16 will get him in, right? Because he would have the. There's a good start, just like his start at Kentucky. Wow. The Bam Bam firepower on the scoreboard. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, <laughs> now I wish I could have been there. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. It was a pretty cool experience, but. I was never, even growing up, I never won a, like any home run derby. I never won one. I was just, I'd hit the occasional one really far, but I don't think it was really my my thing. It's better to hit them in the games, TJ. So it's all good because you you, agree, have, you have a, a lot of history of doing that. So I, uh, I watched the, there's a whole video. I watched your, the whole, the whole thing. It was just you, but like, it seemed like it is more of a workout hit in a home run derby than you really want it to be <laughs> yeah i mean minute 30 in your lungs feel like they're about to explode <laughs> and like you can i mean you watch really any like especially i mean at least from the guys that were in their derby with me they're like along with me huffing and puffing like trying to get their time out as soon as they can and it's it's actually really hard <laughs> i never would have thought that until i got to do like the timed ones um but yeah no it's it's a it's a workout and a half that's why the majors figured out that they got to do that break in there because those guys are dying yeah it's it's actually it's really hard it's really really hard but fun still fun i mean i only especially doing it with your dad i only hit home runs and slow pitch softball so i don't know what any of that's like and it's it's real easy to do so (laughs) All, all all home runs go over the fence yeah exactly um so 2020 the COVID short season you know I don't even really want to get too much into it the the only thing I felt that was worth noting was you know getting your 100th hit which is you know a milestone but the one thing that we like to ask the guests um that you know experience that is we really want to know what the locker room was like and what the message was from the coach when everything is just you know swept out from underneath you um absolutely brutal experience um we were literally like rolling our luggage out of the locker room to get on a bus to go open up against Vandy. Um, and it was like a movie scene. It's just like coach was like, no, everybody back in the locker room had us all sit down and we turned on the news and we watched the news for like an hour. Um, I think like basketball, I forget what all got canceled first. Did, a, did March Madness get canceled or something? Or the yes. NBA, the NBA can't cancel their season right. or something. Um, all these different things just started dropping like flies. And then the next morning we were told to go home. It just happened incredibly quick. It was March 12th. March 12th was the day that 
we didn't go to Vandy. So then the March 13th, we were told, we were told to go home. We were like, what, what do you mean go home? Um, so then at that point in my career, I thought I'd never play baseball again. I'm a senior. We got told to get home. There's rumors that season's being canceled. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? Um, like I remember I would, I'll be vulnerable for a little bit. I called my dad like sobbing. It was like, I, I played my last baseball game without knowing it. Um, but eventually just got back home, kind of started going through it with everybody else and kept training. And then I think two or three weeks down the line, the NCAA decided to grant everybody eligibility and up to the athletic director and Mr. Barnhart or AD um, called me and asked me to come back. And it was a quick and easy yes. Um, so yeah, no, it's a, uh, I mean, everybody knows how COVID went, so it's not even worth getting into. Um, but yeah, kind of just did that um, and then got ready for my fifth year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I didn't want to go too much into the season. Just wanted to know how y'all kind of handled the process. Each team, you know, handled a little differently and and how their coaches, you know, discussed it with them and everything. But, you know, moving to now, what what is a new year in 2021, um, you started all 52 games, batting 301, which I know you had to be happy with after, you know, having a, a really down season batting average-wise. Uh, 16 home runs, 48 RBIs, 39 runs, so a big year. But before we get into individual, um, you know, we talk to SEC baseball every every episode on here. We paid attention, especially because we had so many guests. Um, Kentucky came hot out the gate. You know, y'all were y'all ranked um, real big expectations, like, uh, you know, what was y'all's mindset was, I mean, did y'all feel like Omaha was a realistic possibility? Um, ever. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that was the the vibe in our locker room throughout the fall. And then going into that season, I mean, we had an incredible group of guys that could really hit um, and started off super hot. Um, started the sec with a series win um no it was very very optimistic and then um in the end obviously we had a better season than 2019 but um I think a lot of us didn't perform to um the standard that we wanted to and then I mean this is the thing about baseball you can have one game have the best offensive game ever but if your pitching's not there probably gonna end up losing or vice versa and we just we really struggled piecing them together at the exact same time it was either pitching was on or the hitting was on um why that is don't know um but it was the way it is so no overall absolutely like you you nailed it on the head and we talked about it all the time because we've had these guests from all these teams and like so to use one of your you know rivals for example tennessee smashed all year and then i watched them in omaha and they can't hit anything and it, it had been their pitching that you know they weren't relying on and then next thing you know you know I'm watching Chad Dallas go up there and throw six innings scoreless which isn't really even his thing and he actually averaged getting 11 runs a game support like you just don't get better run support and they couldn't even get a run up so it's crazy how that flips same thing kind of happened with Ole Miss against Arizona so you know TJ there is no explanation like you said it's just it's baseball right man it's no no two days are the same so um Let's talk about a big weekend for you. I mean, I, I know this this seems to be a common theme, but it is your theme. You know, four home runs in a series versus Alabama and three of them in consecutive at bats. I mean, what did Alabama do to you, bro? I don't I don't know. I just got super hot. 
I felt bad because I brought up Coach Bohannon earlier. He's one of the main reasons why I ended up at Kentucky and absolutely adore the dude. Um, one of the best men I've ever met in my life. Um, and he's head coach for Alabama, and I decided to do that. Um, but I mean, won't lie, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I, 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 got, I imagine I so. <laughs> by the time by the time you hit that third one in a row, I mean, you were hitting a softball, right? That, that ball was huge. Oh, for sure, yeah. It was like that last bat, a lefty came in against me, threw a first-pitch curveball, and somehow I hit it. Like, it was just things were going my way. I wasn't – like, I remember going up there and thinking – I hadn't hit lefties, like, super well the whole season, so I was like, he's probably going to throw a curveball. And he just laid it right in my wheelhouse. And I mean, were you, you when, con- when you get three, I was gonna say when you get when you get three in a row. I remember like hitting it, and I just started smiling, and it, it was it was just a pretty cool experience for my last season. If you, if you would have got another at bat, would you have been confident enough to switch hit like you did at that home run derby when you when you were feeling it? I heard you switch it during that. No, I did. I did. I did switch it against the home in the home run derby. I almost hit one out. I got. I hit the fence. Um, I, but I, no. I, I, yeah, go ahead. I I heard that you know after the the Alabama game or series, you emailed Coach Bohannon, simply sorry, not sorry. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I I let him know. I let him. But uh, um, I got to talk to him a little bit before the series and I got to talk to their baseball operations guy was the baseball operation guy my freshman year and got to talk to him. So it's, it's, that's another cool thing about the SEC. You start running into people that you either previously were around or just people you get to know. Um, and you, it's just, it's pretty cool. It, it's a pretty strong um, community, even though sometimes you have to get rough with each other here and there. Yeah, no doubt. So I got to see you live in person for for three games. I got to see you in Starkville against Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, I actually went with a couple of junior college baseball players, and they were actually the ones that pointed it out because you got intentionally walked, I want to say, the first at bat we watched you um, because first base was open and there was a, there was a man on second. And your stats were up on the, on the big screen. And Dylan Hale, which uh, Daniel will tell you, that's our guy, he looked over there and goes, dude, that dude's got so many home runs. Cause I mean, you had to have been killing them early in the season because um, you had way more home runs than, than I think a lot of people did. Cause when it flashed up on the scoreboard, it caught our attention. And then when they walked you, we were like, makes sense. So you, you got on my radar right then. And I think in that series, I know they intentionally walked you at least two times. So they had a respect factor for you in Starkville. I know that. Yeah, Coach Lamonis um, recruited me in high school to Louisville, actually. Um, so, I mean, it was so funny. One of my favorite stories from college where whenever you're on the road, on, on the road, you get to go hit on Friday and Saturday morning in their cages. And I think it was Friday morning. We were walking into the facility and this black SUV pulls up to us. Roll down the window. It's head coach Lamonis. He said, Colette. I didn't know they let kids play in the SEC for 10 straight years. Like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know coach, it feels like it. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, no, it was a, that was a good weekend as well. Ended up seeing the ball well. And um, 
Yeah, no, it was. Well, a, well, well, let me ask you because, like I told you, uh, I was in Omaha. Um, I actually happened to have a personal relationship with a lot of guys on that team. Um, you know, I myself, you know, I don't know that I would have said that they. You know, we talked about their potential. We 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 knew that we thought they were an Omaha team, but we didn't know that they were a national championship team. When you played against them, you know, honestly, did did you see that they were going to be able to make the run that they did? Could you see it in them? Yeah, ask any of my teammates on the bus home Sunday. I said, they're an Omaha team. You'll see them in Omaha. They, uh, and the thing that, like, makes me say that is just, like, the teams that make it there, they're, it's like Tennessee. Like, it doesn't matter if they're hitting 240, 250, 260. They have a bunch of dudes that get timely hits. When there's a runner on second and they're down by one, they tie it up. It's like no questions asked. If they have a hit and run, they do it. Um, it's not necessarily like the biggest numbers all the time. Obviously, you have kids like Tanner Allen that just crush the ball and are studs. But um, those teams that can situationally hit and have timely hits, those are the teams that make it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's what they did all weekend to us. So I was like, yep, you'll see them in them all. Yeah. So, you know, on the career, you had 42 home runs, which is second all time. You know, I mean, hits, you know, RBIs. Man, we've talked about this. Like, I, I could read this list, but, you know, we talk about this a lot, you know, and we're sitting here talking about Omaha. And everything that I've gauged off you is you're a team first kind of guy. You're not an individual stat kind of guy, even though you do love hitting home runs. Who wouldn't? Um, I'm sure that if you could trade, you know, some of that individual success for the team success, you'd do it in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? I'd trade every single home run. There's nothing like winning in the SEC. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty special experience when – and thank, thank goodness I got to experience it my freshman year, being a part of a team that walks into a stadium and knows they're going to win. That's a good feeling. That's a feeling that you can take into the work environment, walk into your job knowing that you're going to win that day. Um, it's a it's a pretty special experience. So I mean, yeah, no, I, I would have I would have traded it all all the individual success, even if we could have just made it to Omaha. Um, and then on top of that, the older I got through our school, the more and more I just wanted to help the kids that were younger than me, <laughs> especially like the freshmen coming in that are like 17, 18 years old. I'm like chilling and working on my masters i'm like i need to help these kids as much as possible we got a kid um, that we got a kid that we need you to help asap and daniel knows where i'm going with this we had three freshman players who were all they're all friends they ran a camp here locally and um, we decided to bring them on and one of them is michael dallas who's gonna be a freshman at kentucky and you know he was hitting he was hitting home runs at the little league field you know for all these kids showing off and Daniel had a little fun with him it's cool to hit him over the little league fence um, you got to go do it the big boy thing and he started talking about Omaha and and this year and everything else and he might he might need to be brought back a little bit it's good to have expectations it's good to have confidence but my, Michael's feeling himself after after doing work on the on the little league fields that's funny that's funny yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll do great. Yeah, no, um, he, he's got confidence. You got to have confidence for sure. Sure. 
So let's talk about what's next, man. All right. You know, you, you, you said, you said you're at your parents, you're saving up money, you know, what's next for TJ Collette? So right now I'm learning how to live in the real world. Um, I started working for a company called RJL Solutions in my hometown. Um, I'm doing some business development and just became a registered lobbyist for them. Um, and honestly, it's been a pretty big adjustment. Um, first of all, because I don't have a ton of work experience because I loved playing summer ball, but if you're playing collegiate baseball, you just don't have the opportunity to do any internships or even get jobs, really. Um, so learning that has been a little adjustment, but it's also very, very uh, uplifting to start to see yourself grow in something other than your sport. Um, you start to realize that you're more than, and I, I can imagine other student athletes who are leaving their sports are learning the same thing. And I hope this gives peace to some of the people that are in college right now, but learning that you have something to offer the world other than hitting home runs is, it's a pretty, it's a pretty special feeling. So I've be quite honest, I've been pretty proud of myself um, attacking the real world and figuring out how to work a job and save up money and live with my parents and do all that. And so, yeah, like, I guess what's next is continuing to grow in my professional career. Um, and then once have all that money saved up, I'm getting married next July. So going to try to put down a down payment on a house or something or find somewhere to live before that. What if uh, Kentucky calls you and they need you to be the first base coach? You, you, you changing careers. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, pick up the phone and say, you ready to go to Omaha? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I mean, you got them to super regionals after all. Yeah, I got a bone to pick with the tournament. Um, so, but no, uh, yeah, that's funny. But yeah, that's where I'm at in my life. And um, up until the last two years, I don't think I would have ever seen myself being at peace being done. Um, but I'm proud of what I've been through and proud of what I accomplished. Um, but at the same time, very at peace with where I am in my life and excited to, um, quote unquote, live, like live the real world and learn a different side of TJ um, and move forward. So, yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's an unbelievable story. And I hope that we were able to do it justice, because when I, when I say TJ, man, we had to. We had to a really tough job trying to figure out what's to talk about because everything like we we could have spent four hours talking about your story because it's just that incredible. But um, we we hope we we did you justice. But before we get you out of here, man, we want to have a little fun with you and play a little game called this or that. For sure, let's do it. All right, so it's very simple. You got two options. You choose one option or the other. The okay. only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. You got to be decisive and choose one. Got it. All right. First question. Would you rather never wait in line again or would you rather never catch another red light? Never catch a red light. All right. So uh, everybody that answers it that way, I always ask, are you uh, a punctual person or, or is, 
or is that something you're working toward? No, I am a, a very punctual person. I get made fun of all the time by my fiance. Like I always want to be on time, want to be early. So that would help me a lot if I yeah. got every point. Early is on time, right? Agreed. Agreed. That's, that's the motto. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I formulated this question as I heard heard the story being told. So would if you had to choose one or the other, would you rather have someone forever put your shoes and socks on or put your gloves and your glove on? Oh man, my, my gloves and my glove on. Yeah, you, I feel like the shoes are a little bit more time consuming, I think. <laughs> so I'd rather just, I think it can get kind of awkward as they're like tying your shoe every time, but the gloves and glove, yeah, I think that can be just like zip, zip we're done so uh, i'll take that <laughs> yeah I, so so i don't think it's it's the putting on that probably may not be the issue it would be the taking off depending on on, on what what was going on so yeah no it could it, it could get awkward real quick yep would you rather have a rewind button for your life or a fast forward button for your life that's hard that's really hard um because i'd like to say neither but I don't want to skip over any day of my life because just how fast it already happens. So I'd probably say rewind to kind of go down memory lane or go, maybe go if uh, that, that Texas A&M series and, and, and not watch three. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe sit on curveball second pitch or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Would you rather be strong, but look weak or, be weak but look strong. Be weak, look strong. One hundred percent. I don't have any use for strong anymore. <laughs> he's the first. He's the first one to say that. You're the first one. Oh, I, I. I'll be completely honest. I mean, as long as I can do around the house stuff and, I guess, lift somewhat heavy stuff. I would. Yeah. No. No. I. Yeah. That's an easy question. That's a very easy question. <laughs> would you? Would you rather drop bombs but strike out a ton? Or would you rather have one single in every game? Hmm. How many home runs am I hitting? I didn't specify. Just um, let's say yeah. tw- twenty in a season. Twenty twenty-five. That's that's a lot. Or one single. I'll take the twenty bombs. <laughs> He's a Barry yeah. Bonds guy, bro. Are you serious? <laughs> Well, you know, and, and here's here's the thing. A single is only as good as the people in front of you and around you. Bombs are good and, overall. And I, I clog up the bases, so there's no use for me getting stuck. <laughs> he did steal a base that one time, though. That, yep, that one time. <laughs> would, you, would you rather spend five years in jail or ten years in a coma? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh wow! I'd probably say the coma. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd do too well in jail. <laughs> Look, I, I, thank you for being honest because some of your fellow SEC compadres come on this show and they say, "Oh, give me five years of jail," and I know dang well they're lying to my face. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think I'd be very good at the whole jail thing. So <laughs> I'll just take the ten-year jump, the fast-forward button. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel a, calls it a nap. 
Yep. Yeah. <laughs> give me give me the ten year nap, and I'll I'll figure it out when I wake up. All right. Last question: Would you rather be the number one pick in the MLB draft, but you have to lose all of your friends, or would you rather be the last pick in the draft, but you get to keep your friends? I've already been the last pick in the draft and kept all my friends, so I'll take that one. <laughs> I was a uh, my forty my draft pick out of high school. I'm pretty sure it was last pick of the draft. It was Twins, 2016. They would have, yeah, I'm pretty sure they would have been last pick because they were last pick in the first few rounds. So I'm pretty sure Man, they... they left that out. It did say 40th round, but it did not say last pick. Is it? Is there? Isn't, like... there, isn't there a name for that? Mr. Irrelevant or something? Yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, but they get, like, a prize or something. I didn't get a prize. <laughs> they didn't even bad. send you a pair of glove, batting gloves or nothing. Nothing. Daniel, they, just Daniel, sent, they just sent me to college. <laughs> Daniel, it's too bad he has been everything but irrelevant because that could have been the title for the episode. But he's he's been too awesome at everything else for us to do that. Absolutely. Well, TJ, man, anything you want to plug or promote while, while you got the chance? Um, no, I'll just – continue to promote the jesse reese foundation since we're on here right now um i do want to take the time to thank you guys again for figuring out that generous donation um i mean over the last hour and a half i've had the chance to reflect on it even more um it's just truly incredible and it's people like you guys that keep putting smiles on kids faces and I've said this plenty of times before, but one smile can change a day, they can change a week, a week can change a month, and ultimately a month can change a whole experience for that child, even change the direction their life's going in. So um, who knows what that, those 50 joy jars are going to do for 50 different kids. So it's uh, people like you guys. So thank you so much. You got it, man. I just want to, you know, on behalf of the In Off the Bench podcast, man, keep up the good work. But thank you for coming on. If there's anything that we can do for you, you know, along the way, please reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to, to help any way we can. For sure, yeah. Thank you uh, so much for having me on and taking the time. It was fun. You got it, man. That's TJ Collette, everybody. Follow him on Instagram at TJ underscore Collette. Follow Team Negu at Team N-E-G-U on Instagram to support the Jesse Rees Foundation. All right, well, let's take a break. Let's plug some sponsors. When we come back, we got some headlines for you. Tattoos have become more of a normal part of society. And, you know, one of the things that's a common mistake that people do is they just go anywhere, you know, closest place, maybe whatever's convenient. And a lot of times they get a piece of art that stays on them forever that maybe they don't like so much. So let me help you and eliminate that problem. Go see Jeff Lee Watts. Easy Flea Tattoos. You can find him on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find him at 1731 Dancy Boulevard in Horn Lake. Number is 662-280-0763. All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety, and you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary. Pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. 
Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. And Jim, tonight we're going to lead off with no surprise Major League Baseball. Um, I saw something interesting on ESPN and it gave, um, you know, power rankings. So I was curious to know what you thought maybe the power rankings for Major League Baseball would be if I said you need to give me one to 10. So that include, but you're including both leagues, both leagues combined, best team down to the tenth best. Whew. You may go ten to one or one to ten. Uh, let's go ten to. Well, let's start from the top. It'll be easier that way, and I'll tell you whether I agree or disagree with you. All right. Number one. The L.A. Dodgers. Oh, God. You're just going to skip over the two best teams in, in baseball and go straight to the Dodgers, huh? And yes. And then they're not – and they're right there. So, let's not let's not act like one series and they're not the top team. I don't even like the Dodgers. Let's not – let's not they're, sit They're not even leading their division. They're a game – two games – two and a half games back. Don't matter. Not even leading their division. You know who but, I just watched take the series from San Francisco? Atlanta. I, anyway. Hey, that's all right. It, it it's about it's about making it. And they they're they're continuing to hold strong. Well, well you're gonna get mad because they're not number two either. Number two would be Tampa Bay. Well, I, I I don't I don't agree with that. I don't agree with your number one or your number two, but I mean I would expect you to put them number two, especially if your number one uh, is the Dodgers. So c- continue, please. Number three. Number three, San Francisco. Oh, wow. They got a top three bid from you. Now, now of those three, top three, who is more likely to make the World Series? The Dodgers. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that, too. This is why I do need Randy because Randy will back me up, and we both dislike the Dodgers highly. We just we call it as it is. All right, so number four, Houston. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, top five for sure, and it's hard to put them in there, but you don't really have a choice. All right, who you got rounding out top five? I mean, I got to go Milwaukee, even though I still like I said last episode, I've barely watched them play, but. All they do is win and win a lot. So I'm going to put them there just on record alone. All right. Six. Six. You know what, man? This is where it gets dicey, I know. This, this is where it gets dicey. And it's and I saw the stat of the Yankees have, have owned the White Sox. So I, I want to, you know, I was a childhood fan of the White Sox. I want to say the White Sox. But, I mean, just their head-to-head, I, I mean, you have to put the Yankees ahead of them. Okay. So, the All White right. Sox, seven. I'm putting Oakland at eight, even though they currently trail Boston. I, I still believe Oakland is a better team. Okay. I'm, I'm on this Atlanta train, man. I'm going to put them at nine. I'm not a believer in Boston. I have watched Boston a lot. I don't – I mean, they – they have remained up towards the top, but like maybe it's because I'm putting them in comparison to Tampa and um, the Yankees. But 
I just – I don't know. I'm not a believer. I think in the end they're going to be the first team knocked out of the playoffs if they make it. I can see that. See that. So, you know, you got your top ten. That's that's not a bad top ten. I can't say that I agree with every one of them. Um, but for me, at the top, I'm going Tampa Bay Rays, baby. Tampa Bay Rays. So hold on. So hold on. When I put them at number two, you, but you made it sound like you disagreed that I didn't have San Francisco above them. I disagreed with the fact that you had the Dodgers ahead ahead of both. If you if you could pick Tampa, you you say you want to like the small market. I picked Tampa Bay number one, a because. been on on the team all all day all night all year (laughs) so uh so one tampa two the giant number three and you're not gonna agree with this at all and i only say number three is because we're getting closer to the postseason and for some reason this team is is a scary postseason team and that's the astros do I like having to put them at number three? No, absolutely not. Um, number four, give me the Dodgers. Um, still not sold on the Dodgers um, because I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they were supposed to be, you know, head and shoulders above the division, and they're not. So I feel like they're they're underachieving just a bit. Uh, give me the give me the Sox. Give me the Brewers after the Sox. Give me this is where where I have a have a tough time so because when you say Sox, are you saying red or white? White Sox. So white let me Sox. ask you how because I want like I told you I'd want to put the White Sox above the Yankees, but with them beating them, demolishing them in both series, you know, they won five out of six. The only win was the Tim Anderson walk-off in the Field of Dreams game. Um, justify that, the putting them ahead of them. Um, it, it comes down to consistency. Once again, New York was in a – basically in a category along with the Dodgers as far as should be at the top of the division. Um taking them some time to really figure out who they are and they're playing much better. Yes. But that lack of inconsistency as opposed to the White Sox who have been very consistent this season with, with giving you exactly who they are and leading their division and really just beating up on people. Um, To me, that's why the White Sox go above the Yankees. And I'm sure there's a little bit of bias into that as well. Um, but I'll go Yankees, Red Sox, and then I guess I got to put Oakland in there. You know, we when we look at these top ten, have you do you happen to look at matchups tonight? Because we got no, we, we got. Uh, I mean, I we, I know the the I know that um, what was it? 
the Rays are playing the Red Sox. I know that. I was watching. Yeah, the, they're they're playing each other. So talk about a big series with with big teams. The Brewers are playing the Giants. So that's two of those teams that are up in the top four. And then the Braves are playing the Dodgers. So you actually find out a lot uh, to start this week. That's a big series for the Braves. One, and, I mean, it ain't going well because they're getting smacked down five nothing in the fourth. Austin Riley just needs to get it going. Needs to. And it's all home. It's all homers. Check this out: Muncie, Homer, Smith, Homer, Betts, Homer, Seager, Homer. I'll ask you: Does as you get into postseason, does it? Would you be nervous about a team that scores most of their runs by just home runs, or is that like, are you okay with that? Uh, I would know. I would. I would be nervous, and I know college and pro are different, but. I can only go off recency what I just saw. And we, we just talked about it with TJ and I watched a team that thrived on home runs all year in Tennessee. And then they, they couldn't, couldn't hit the long ball. And they're not guys who were other than maybe Liam that were known for just average. Um, so that is scary, especially because we know the pitching gets amped up uh, when you get to the playoffs. So no, I would, I would rather have a team that's like your team, the race that are, that are, good for consistently getting on base and they play small ball and do whatever they need to do to win. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I, I agree with you, like home runs and stuff that that's great. Um, but the problem is, is that, you know, you, if you rely on that, then you run into buzzsaw pitching, which is typically what you're going to get in postseason. Well, plus, plus it's it's harder once it gets into the colder months. It's harder for the ball to travel, correct? Uh yes and no. I think these guys that hit bombs, I think if they square up a ball, they're going to hit a. It's going to go out, you know, regardless of how hot or cold it is. But yeah, you know, warmer balls, warmer weather helps. Um, but I mean, I think if you hit it three hundred and sixty plus feet in the, the cold, you would have done the same thing in the warm and vice versa. If you hit a 400 foot bomb and when it's warm outside, I, I think you, you're, you would hit it far enough to get it out of the field. It's cold outside too. So, um, last week, our predictions were pretty garbage. <laughs> Everybody's prediction did not come true. Uh, Jim, you picked the Dodgers to be in first place. You picked them to take over first place from the Giants and the Giants to move into the wild card. Uh, that didn't happen. Um, I picked the Padres to be in the wild card. That is closer to happening, but still not did not happen. Uh, Randy had Seattle to move into second. That didn't happen. And the Yankees fixed in their wild card and, and that didn't happen either. Um, so what I'll ask is, you know, with this, the, the same guidelines in place, what is different when we look at standings next week from this week? Well, I just want to be clear. I was right about one thing. It wasn't standings, but I said Austin Riley would climb the ladder in the MVP race. He, he's doing that. But um, because, because I'm looking at the scoreboard right now and the Dodgers are up 5 nothing on the Braves and the Brewers are up on the Giants late in the game, and so I'm thinking that the Dodgers are obviously, unless something late happens in either of these games, are going to gain a game. 
I'm going to go ahead and stick with my guns, and it's going to happen. This is the week. You know what? I will publicly apologize onto you here. I will, I will put the Giants at the top of my power rankings, but I'm going to say the Dodgers finally jump them, bro. So you, you are – to me, it sounds like if you were going to go to the casino and lay down a, a bet to win the World Series – the Dodgers are your your go-to team. Is 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 that what I'm getting from you? No, because I think an American League team's gonna win. So do I. But in the event that, okay, Dodgers going to the World Series. Yes. I don't know. I I don't know. Well, you watch the World Series if it's the Dodgers and the Astros. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I might watch a couple pitches, but, like, I'm not going to invest, you know, some nights into that. All right. So that's um, – it's exactly what I hoped would happen. So here's my prediction. Based on the schedule, and, and I try to steer away from – from this as a pick, but it just sets itself up really nice. I think the Cardinals are going to be in a wild card spot next week. Are we looking at the same schedule? Uh, yeah, I think so. Cincinnati's ahead of them. Milwaukee's in first place. The Dodgers are fixing me in first place, if not the second place. Cincinnati again. Uh, and, and that's why I say that you, you got the right teams in front of you to play. All you got to do is win games. So, like, the schedule sets itself up. I mean, you're for, correct. They, 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 they take care of business in both series against Cincinnati. They would jump them, and you would gain ground on Milwaukee if you could take care of them. So, I mean, yes, in theory, you're right, but that's not the teams I'd want to play. Well, but that's – it's not the team you, you want to play, but when you're behind, you need to – Beat those teams. Why, I got you. Right. Why not? So um, as far as building confidence, trying to move into the postseason, like those are the teams that I want to play to to solidify a playoff spot. And it builds confidence when you know you can beat the teams that are ahead of you, A, but two of the teams and are divisional leaders. And one of them is a team that you said is probably going to go to the World Series. So. Hey, I'm all for it. I, I, I hope it's not the opposite, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I want, I want to, like, jump in with breaking MLB news since, you know, I'm looking at this stuff. If I, if I told you that the Angels just went ahead of the Yankees in the bottom of the six, how did they go ahead? Um, Otani. Otani, 431 feet. No big deal. Just hitting it 430, bro. Hitting it 430. That's amazing. That cat. That cat. Yeah. He has to he has to sustain it, right? It can't be this one year. But if he continues to do what he's doing, hitting and pitching, stealing 20 bases, Daniel, it's not even it's not even a discussion. If he continues this, I don't know how many years, like oh, I'm not gonna put that in, but let's let's just say he does this. For five years, he he will be considered 
probably the greatest baseball player of all time. Yeah, I mean, if he if he can continue this, he will definitely be in that category. Because Babe Ruth is considered, and he's doing it better than the Babe. That and I only thing I think needs to happen is he needs to figure out a way to win a, win a championship. I think that that right there. Well, he's gonna have to get. Five. He's gonna have to get out of there. We know that. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, I mean. They're locked in to Mike Trout. They're going to – what are they going to do? Like, if you want to win, I feel like those are the two guys that you, you want to build around, but they're they're awful. They're I, I, I'll tell you this. Awful. Yeah, I don't understand why they can't win, but I'll tell you this. Because when they show the highlights of home runs and stuff, I'll, I'll give this credit to the Angels in regards to just having those guys. Um, they sell tickets just on them dudes even though they're not winning. Like, usually a team with a record like that doesn't have really good crowds, and they do, and it's because they're going there just to watch those guys. Yeah, I mean, Trout has been, you know, for a while now been, like, one of the hottest players and one of kids' favorite players. And now Otani, just the ability to go watch him play and really, like, it's like the – the novelty of seeing history that you may not ever see again. Like, yeah, people are going to go buy that ticket and, and check that out for sure. Cause I guarantee you that the nights that he's on the mound are probably busier than the nights that he's not in the lineup just because they want to say, well, I saw him pitch because you'll probably be able to see him hit from for a while. But at some point I think that, that pitching, you know, thing probably goes. Like, I, I'm hoping not anytime soon, but, like, as you get older and you start breaking down, like, it's easy to say, well, I'm done pitching. I'm just going to swing the bat for a couple more years. So, with that, man, let's let's transition into some NFL. And, and you know, I, I want to start first and foremost with your Saints. Um, before we talk about preseason, Saints have, you know, it's it's been a crazy week for them. They've had to relocate, you know, practice facilities. They're now in my team's home territory in the Big D. They're, they're hanging out with those guys. Um, but, you know, in the midst of all that and the hurricane and, and everything that's going on in Louisiana, um, they've also solidified who they say is their starting quarterback. So what I need is, is your take on all of that first is the move and the temporary relocation with no games left to play in preseason and they're coming closer and closer to opening day um does that relocation hurt and then what are your thoughts on Jameis being named the starter um I don't think the relocation hurts I think they're going to be fine the question would be they said there's no structural damage at all to the dome. So you have no problem playing there. I think if we weren't coming off a COVID season where they only allowed 750 people in attendance, friends and family last year anyway, um, this game would get moved. But being as this has kind of been the norm, you know, for a season and some, 
I think because we're talking big business, you know, we always talk about the money and NFL's king. I think that game still happens there, um, regardless of what's going on outside of it. And it seems pretty insensitive, but, um, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that they will. If it was me personally, I wouldn't. But, you know, like I said, those, those billionaires think differently than I do. That being – go ahead. Do you think that the home opener being against Green Bay has anything to do with the push to play in the stadium? Absolutely, because um, I don't know what neutral site you get on short notice, and you sure don't want to go to Green Bay. So, but, you know, New Orleans playing in the dome, it isn't just playing inside. One of the advantages is how loud it gets for you. And it's actually last year, if you remember, um, when Green Bay beat New Orleans by a touchdown in New Orleans, um, Aaron Rodgers, who's a master of the snap count, managed to draw off sides on three different occasions in New Orleans because the place was empty. And the commentators kept talking about it It because it was Sunday night football and Collinsworth just kept saying, this would not happen. Normally, normally Aaron Rodgers would be at a disadvantage, but when it's quiet and he has the cadence, it's to his advantage. So I don't know what kind of advantage the Saints will have. And then you get to that quarterback thing you're talking about, right? So whether it's Jameis or Taysom, you're going against – Aaron Rodgers, so no matter what, you're at a disadvantage. But based upon the way Jameis played, I told you I wanted Taysom to be the starter, but there was no denying after what Jameis showed in his last uh, in his last game. I mean, those were dimes he was dropping. He looked good. Him and Callaway have chemistry. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. When Michael Thomas started making all the comments he made, that was when Taysom was the leader in the clubhouse as who was going to be the starter. I think in order to get Thomas back on that field, I think Winston has to be the starter as well. I don't think he wants to be in a Taysom Hill-led offense. So um, it's Winston's job for now. I think it's the right move. Um, as a Saints fan, regardless if Taysom's my guy, I want whatever wins. So if that is Jameis, so be it. But – to beat Green Bay, whether you're in New Orleans or not, in the opener um, is a tall task, to say the least. I mean, everyone is saying that, and, like, I, I tend to believe that, but, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, how many preseason snaps has he taken? Not very many. I mean, maybe zero. Like, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't follow the Green Bay Packers preseason schedule on who's playing and who's not but like like if if someone told me that it was zero snaps I wouldn't be surprised in the least but when it comes to relocating if hear me out now if I'm Jerry Jones and I know my stadium will seat with no restriction as many people as we can get in there I and my team is playing away week one. I, I think I'm trying to sell some tickets. Well, let me tell you another reason why that would work. Um, you know how diehard fans Saints are, right? And a lot of the people who evacuated New Orleans went to Texas. So if you don't think those folks are like, hey, I can't go back home, my house is underwater, or I have no electricity, 
So I'm just going to go ahead and drive up to Dallas and watch the game. They will do that. So that's actually not a terrible idea at all. No. I mean, if they want to help Jerry pay for Dak's new new contract, I'm I'm all for that. I'm actually going to tell you right now that um, if they were to do that, um, I'm, I'd go. I'd get Casey and we'd roll down there. Hey, do it. But yeah. hey, let, let me let me tell you the matchup inside that matchup though that I want to see because we didn't get to see it last year because Devontae Adams um didn't play against the Saints. Um Lattimore, you know this as well as I do. When it comes to playing the top receivers in the game, he shuts them down. And and, he, and they've spoke on it because he's managed to because in that game, in that game, he got torched by Lazard for a long touchdown. And I don't know why it is that he has to play the best to be the best, but anytime he's gone against a top 10 wide receiver, he's absolutely locked him down. And I bring that up because as much as I love my guy, Lattimore, and I, and I do think he can lock almost anybody down, Devontae Adams is just filthy. So that's the matchup inside the matchup I'm looking to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. I want to, I want to see it get, Chippy, I want to see it get physical, and I want to see them do talking smack to one another. Um, you know, hopefully I end up with Devontae Adams on my team, and I will root for him to do well. Well, being um, being our draft order, I don't think he's going to be there at eight, bro. Just to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, I, I don't think so either, but, you know. So how do you feel about that? Happen. So how well, I mean, let's let's get to it, man. You know, you're gonna ask me about the Saints. I mean, you got your hometown team against your favorite team Thursday night, opening up the season in Tampa. Like, it's gotta be some mixed emotions. There's zero mixed emotions because I'll be the first to tell everybody this, and and people here know where my allegiance lies. Anytime the Cowboys have come to Tampa, or anytime the Cowboys have played Tampa. You, I have a big star on, and and you best believe that I want the Bucks to feel pain that night. So, what is their uh, stadium requirements, and are you going? I am not going. The stadium requirements are there are none, um, and I'm not going because the cheapest ticket. It, it's crazy when you win the Super Bowl. Ticket values go through the roof. So for me to get a ticket in the top section, $600 a piece. Um, and I just, Thursday night, game kicks off at 8.30. Um, I think I'd just rather watch it from home, to be honest. Like, save my money, you know, kick back, uh, have a I, couple of drinks, and enjoy the game. The, the, the anti-vaxxers, you know, they did – me a favor, the Saints tickets, I looked at them because there was a report on it. I looked at them and LSU, of course. Um, the tickets after they had said that you were going to be required to be vaccinated to get in. And, uh, man, tickets were as cheap as I've ever seen them. I was like, man, I'm going to be driving now. Of course, that was before a hurricane came through, and it's changed the dynamic because I don't know what it would look for a tourist right now. But before that had happened, I was like, man, I'm going to make a lot of trips to Louisiana because these tickets just got cheap. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's the one thing that you can look um, look at is that you might could scoop up some cheap tickets. But I mean, 
here, if you're telling me you can pack the stadium, all you got to do is wear a mask. Like these, these folks are coming out. The tickets have already been sold. Um, you know, and, and what's available is top, top level and going for 600 bucks a piece. And I just like, I mean, the money is, is one thing, but there's something to be said to just kick back, relax and, and watch it from home and, and enjoy it. So what's the, uh, what's the one game outside of that game? So basically getting into the weekend, what's the one game that you, if you can pick to watch, I don't, I don't know what your weekend schedule looks like. If you're going to be able to sit down and watch a bunch of games or, or what, but if there's one game you can watch, what is it? Ah, uh, well, I mean, I, I think there's a couple games. I think we talked about one, the, the Green Bay and New Orleans game. That's, that's going to be interesting. Um, this one is, is more so kind of out of the blue, but I would like to see Chicago and the Rams. I'd like to see what Matt Stafford does with the Rams offense. But also, You just want to hear Drew Brees call the game, don't you? Yeah. No, no I want to see does – how long does it take before Chicago says we need Justin Fields in this <laughs> game? Um, so that's that's one matchup outside of our two teams that I'm. I think I think you know which one I intrigues me. If if you don't see it, I won't believe it. The the one that I think that intrigues you the most is if I had well, there's there's two guesses that I'm going to have, you know, and. The first one is because you're you're a Cleveland Cleveland guy. How are they going to fare against the Chiefs? That is it. Day? That is it. But all, my second guess would have been if Joe Burrow is is back and he's starting, like how well is he going to be um, in this first game? Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing. There's no team I would rather them beat than the Vikings. Uh, He's going to wish he's going to wish uh, he had Justin Jefferson. You know, that's what's interesting, right? He's got Jamar Chase now. Justin Jefferson plays from Minnesota. They're going to be like, come on, homie. Come on over to this side. Let's get let's get back to championship ball. That's right. Um, you know, I, I could see Cincinnati doing what Cleveland has done, which is, you know, put some pieces together, names that, you know, um, along with the quarterback that they feel is the guy um, and try to try to compete in that division. Um, obviously, you know, it starts with week one against Minnesota to see, you know, uh, where you're at. Minnesota's probably not the same Minnesota that we've seen in, in previous years, but um, it, it's going to be a tough, tough, hard fought battle. I mean, I mean, I think this is, I think this is about as good a slate of week one games as I've seen. Like so, consider we said Cowboys, Bucks, Packers, Saints, Steelers, Bills is clearly intriguing. You know the Bengals, Vikings, just because of the Joe Burrow factor. Cardinals, Titans, because you know Titans got these high expectations. The Cardinals are a legit team that made some big moves in the offseason. Seahawks, Colts. You're talking about two teams that were playoff teams last year that are that are both good. Um, Browns, Chiefs, like we said, Bears, Rams, like you said, like. I mean, there's there's a legitimate seven, eight games that if I could watch them all, I'm not going to be able to. But if I could, I would. Well, that and there's like the the stories within the games, like 
like Philadelphia against Atlanta, for instance. Okay, so Atlanta without Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley now the guy. Like, how does that play out? But also on Philadelphia's end, they just pick up Gardner Minshew. Man, I want I want Jalen Hurts to stink up the joint. Nothing personal. Well, and here's the thing. Garner Minshew is a guy that people like. What's going to happen when those Philly fans start falling in love with, with him and the first time Jalen Hurst throws a pick, the first time he does, you know, has a mistake, and he's going to have mistakes. I mean, it's his second season, like, and he hasn't had that many starts and to begin with. So there's a learning curve that's going to happen, like, the Philly fans are, are relentless. Like what, what is that going to be when those things start happening? Like, Absolutely. Well, and I don't, I don't know. And I don't know how good he is, Daniel, that, that one win he had was against the saints. And if you remember, he had almost 200 yards rushing. And then on top of that, um, I'm trying to think Miles Sanders was the running back. Yeah. Had over hundred yards. They, they hit the saints hadn't given up a hundred yard rusher in like 63 games or something, and they gave it up to two of them, including the quarterback. And so, like, you're not going to be able to win games like that against most teams. So, I didn't – he did – the game that they won, it wasn't via him throwing the ball. So, like, I, we've still not seen any evidence that this dude could be a winning quarterback. I'm not trying to discount and say he can't be, but to your point, um, you know, he's already, you know, not proven. And if he starts making mistakes, there is a guy behind him that has proven that he can play. And like you said, a fan favorite. And Philly, Philly will turn quick on anybody. I, I think I'm going to make a prediction. Today. I'm going to make a bold prediction. By at least week four, Gardner Minshew's a starter. I, I could see that. Let me ask you this. All right, so Jacksonville goes to Houston, okay? I mean, on the surface, it's not – it's a blip on the radar of the games that are – of the magnitude of games going on. But as Urban Meyer, new head coach, rookie quarterback, could you ask for a better team to open your season again? <laughs> no, not at all. Um... So let me, let, me, let me take it further. If Trevor Lawrence has a – outrageous game is he is is he as good as we think he is um no not just for not for that because it's just the texans i'd have to see see it against a stellar defense but i mean it will definitely give you some confidence Man, hey, you know. So it, let me let me. Is Deshaun hold on, hold on, hold on, real quick though. Is I mean, what's the the Deshaun Watson news just kind of fell off? Is is he playing? I don't think so. I don't know how he could play. Like I just, I mean, like well, it kind of died. The story kind of died off. So I don't. I haven't even heard about it in a while. Yeah, I mean, they. According to ESPN, they're still, you know, this was two days ago. They were still unsure whether he was even going to make the 53-man roster. So I'm going to say I, he's not playing because the Jaguars are a three-point favorite on the road. Yeah, I, I would say he's not playing just because of his focus don't need to be football right now. Let's, let's just put it that way. Um, but with that, 
I want to flip it on you. Let's say Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars have a terrible day. Is that as expected, or are people going to be saying, all right, maybe he's not the guy? And I know this is week one, but, like, there are fans out there that are that finicky. Um. Well, I'm familiar with Jaguar fans being stationed that's why, in Jacksonville. That's why I asked. Their expectations have never been high, so um, they're not going to turn on them in week one, him or Urban, if things go south. And, you know, we talked about it through text, you know, with Travis Etienne um, getting hurt. That's a blow. DJ Chark has already questioned we're going into week one. So, I mean, they, they're already, you know, looking at some injury issues and everything that it's going to make the situation more difficult on Trevor and Urban. So, no, I don't think there's going to be a panic button. That's not the team I'd want to lose to, to your point. This is one on a season that's just going to be, you know, a, a learning season, a building block season. Um, this is one you need to get. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, when you look back on, on the season as a whole, at the end of this, I think Jacksonville is hoping that, this Houston game is a win. It, it, a, a building block pushing forward in the season. Look, let me tell you, let me tell you, it goes back to last season. If Randy was here, the Colts only ended up being the wild card instead of the division winner because they dropped a no-nonsense game to start the season against Jacksonville. Same thing goes with Jacksonville against the Texas right here. No business losing that game you got to win those kind of games because they're more meaningful later very true very true all right the the time is upon us jim as we move into college football it's it's back uh we had a a little taste this past saturday um with you know nebraska at illinois yukon at fresno state hawaii at ucla um I will ask you, and I just want to talk a little bit about you know, some of these games that happened before we dive into the, the this weekend's games coming up. Scott Frost at Nebraska, how long does he last? I don't think he lasts too long. I think he's ran his mouth way too much in his first couple seasons and made himself look like a dummy and – then, you know, the way he begged to play last year in the the Big Ten and make the season happen, and then they got smacked around, um, he's got to be on the hot seat. Yeah, I mean, at some point – well, two things. One thing is that what are the expectations of Nebraska football? Because it's been pretty irrelevant for a while. Since the 90s. Uh, and <laughs> – and to be honest, like, who wants to go to Lincoln, Nebraska? Like, I, I just don't I, – I don't know the draw to get players to come because the name itself probably used to generate players. Mm-hmm. But I think that ship is, has sailed. Well, so. and, and you think about it, like, so I was thinking about when the last time they were good and it's when they had Eric Crouch, and I believe he – I believe he won the Heisman. But – and they ran the option and had a stout defense that that kind of team doesn't really exist anymore. At least not in the elite level championship teams. 
Um, and so the way Nebraska used to win is not there. And the, and the kind of calibers, you know, getting the big uglies to run the ball, that just – that's not the way the game's won today, and that's not, not how Nebraska won. And like I said, with Scott Frost, like, I mean, he put himself in this situation, right? Like, you can't come to a school like Nebraska and go against the teams just you're going to go against and run your mouth like that. You're, you know, you're not a he came from UCF, right? Right. Yeah, you're not a UCF anymore, bro. Yeah, I mean, you know, at some point you got to win. And I, I get it. You won at UCF, but you're hired for that reason and that reason alone. That's to win. I mean, you think of another guy with the same – the, the the in the same position and that's Mike Norvell like he's they're expecting him to win just because he came from a school where he won and he's at a prestigious school that they winning is the only option so and they, and they need to because there's nothing we love more than a Notre Dame knockoff <laughs> let's go ahead let's go ahead and get it week one man let's go ahead and get it uh, yeah. over with expose Call them it. Call it what it is, baby. All right, so uh, I'm going to bring this game up because it, it, it has bearings for this week. Um, UCLA, you know, demolishes Hawaii. Um, that puts them as – are they a favorite this week against they, LSU? They were. It has flipped back. To, I guess people got back in their rational minds. 44 to 10 win by by UCLA over Hawaii and all of a sudden the line had swung three points and it was like it's Hawaii and no now LSU is back to oh, it's move four actually it's they're a three-point favorite like I don't think LSU is is overranked by any stretch of the imagination but even if they were um they're not going to lose to UCLA as a matter of fact, I'd have to I'd have to pull up the official stat, Daniel. But as as a as a diehard and someone who remembers the game, we LSU starts every single season with an out of conference Power Five game, and other than that loss to Wisconsin, um, and I remember because I was in Starkville watching it after going to a Mississippi State game, um, they they haven't lost. They they win them all, and so UCLA isn't even a world beater like a lot of those teams that they played. So. Mm-mm. ain't happening all right so here's what we got to do last year we we had some pick them and we we picked a few games and we had a, a, a we had to pick an underdog right so my my question to you is what is obviously i want to i want to pick more than one game i would like there to be you know maybe three games but do we want to base it off of like we get to choose our own. Are we basing it off a point spread? Are we basing it off the the best game of the the weekend, or or are we picking a combination of those things? Let's let's go com let's go combination of things because I still like picking an underdog, but I do want to pick from the best game because you know that way it's you know because the other one tends to be a reach. Sometimes we reach really hard even so. All right, so let's do this. All right. Let's say the first game that we're going to pick is the best matchup of the week. And we will, if there's multiple matchups, we will decide collaboratively what the best match. Well, it's got to be three versus five, though. It's easy this week. Well, yeah, it's Georgia and um, uh, Clemson. 
Clemson. Um, but, you know, like, like for instance, Alabama and Miami could be an intriguing game. I don't, I, I don't think it's going to be close, but like when you just look at the number rankings, like that's, that's a game that we would discuss. All right. So we're going to go best game as far as uh, rankings. We're going to go. What's an, what I would like to do is to pick like an underdog and we get bonus points for for that. So oh, that's good because I got I got my dog. They're eight they're an eight point dog. I'm so I'm already already ready for that one. Do we wanna set like a limit? Like it has to be a seven point or more favorite. All right, that's all right. So you said three games. Let's do that. We do two underdogs. One one of them has to be at least a seven point or more underdog. So we pick best game and then two underdogs, one significant underdog. So I'm going to say plus seven or above. And we're going to get two. We're going to base it solely off points. One point for a win. And in the super underdog game, if you get it right, you get two points. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right. All right. So let's, let's take a look at these. Obviously, you know, the the best game that we're looking at of the weekend is going to be Georgia and um, what's the face? Clemson. Clemson. So you want to start with that one out the gate? I think that's the one that we could probably discuss a little bit and and have some back and forth about. Yeah. And I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Georgia. You know, I'm big on the SEC. Um, normally I wouldn't be against Clemson, but I mean, you're talking about over the past two seasons and I understand that they get high level recruits, but only Alabama is the only team that I know that can sustain being a top team like that after losing so much talent and Clemson lost so much talent. And so I have to see it to believe it on their ranking and I happen to know that Georgia has a lot coming back. That is why they have their ranking. And so I'm going to pick Georgia. I mean, in theory, I'm, it's a, it's another upset pick. But obviously, with three and five, we're not going to call it that. So give me the SEC over the ACC. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm going to go the other route. I'm going to go Clemson. And that's going to be based on body of work over time. And I would say. If, if you pick the last five years for sure, possibly 10, we could probably agree that Clemson has been the better team, correct? Correct. All right, so my, my pick is easy. I'm going Clemson, and I think they immediately put Georgia back in that pressure situation that they always find themselves in um, throughout the season and as far as trying to make the playoffs. So with that, we got an underdog. Any underdog game that 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 you want? Who who are you going with? Who are you rolling? With? Louisiana Lafayette over Texas, Ooh, eight point I dog. Like I like it. I like it. So Cajun Ninja told us the Raging Cajuns are going to come back and and do it again this season. I'm a believer. So for me, um, 
you know, I haven't, you know, I, I wanted to set the criteria, but to be honest, I didn't even look at the point spreads. But, hmm. Let's see. I think. We we don't we don't bet against Ohio State when it comes to spreads, right? No, we we sure don't. All right. Matter of fact, me... I'm, I haven't I haven't been down to do a parlay in a while. I mean, you go ahead and make one and make sure Ohio State's at the top of the list. All right. So I, I got I got two options here, and really one, you know, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that one. So give me for my underdog, give me. Penn State over Wisconsin. Dang, that was my so, other one. Only because Randy was hyping me on Penn State. That's what stuck out in my mind. And plus, you know how bitter we are about Wisconsin. <laughs> All right. So with the super underdog, I'm going to go first this time because I got it right here in front of me. Seven and a half point favorite is Notre Dame over Florida State. <laughs> I knew it was going on. I'm going no. I'm going FSU. Oh, I love it. I love our picks so much. Oh. So I don't want to pick the same one, so I got to figure out where I'm going. Oof. Yeesh. It's leaving me with a lack of options. I'm going to have to get bold here. Get bold. Uh, all right, man. Here you go. I'm going because I already picked an eight point underdog, so that was my big underdog. So I'm giving you my small one now. Give me, give me Indiana to go into Iowa and upset them. And I got a question. I got a question for you as I look at this schedule up and down, up and down a million times. How the hell is Florida not play week one? Oh, they do play. They play FAU. Oh, that's why it caught me out. Oh, I couldn't see it. Florida was hiding underneath Florida Atlantic. Got it. But, yes, give me because, – because I was going to pick the game you picked, I don't want to pick the same one. So, I'm going to go with the, the Big Ten ranked battle off the top and give me Indiana. All right, so I want to make sure I got I got these right because I don't want anybody saying that I cheated and, and all this other stuff. So top game for us is Georgia Clemson. You got Georgia straight up for your point spread, seven points and under. You got Indiana for seven points and over. You're taking Louisiana Lafayette. Mm -hmm. All right, for me, so that it's on the record. I'm taking Clemson in the top game in our point spread, um, seven points and below. I'm taking Penn State. And in our underdog, super-duper underdog pick, plus two points um, for a win, I'm taking Florida State. All there right. it is. Boom. Boom uh, shot. All I can think about ever since you said Ohio State is I've been putting together my six-leg parlay that I'm going to go drop down to Tunica. 
get it. Can we can we get some some inside info on on what it's looking like? Yeah, it's gonna be Ohio State to cover, LSU to cover, Alabama to cover, and the and and let me let me be clear. Jeffrey Wright always says on ninety two ninety ESPN, death taxes in Alabama and Ohio State to cover, and he's not wrong. So basically, I'm taking those two LSU. I'm going to take. I'm going to take Georgia, as I said. I think I'm going to take. Do we really feel good about that Penn State one? Would you put that one in there? I mean, for money, probably not. Mm, so I'll leave that one off. Right, but you know what? I'm going to take North Carolina to cover the five and a half on Virginia Tech. I hate to do that to our man, Puente, but I'm going to. Play him playing for his life this year you know that right yeah but i'm I'm going to and you know what man you gotta risk it to get the biscuit man i'm gonna put louisiana and and you do know in a parlay the more underdogs the better so i want a couple in there anyway so i'm gonna put louisiana in there i will not bet on florida state however <laughs> Just because I want it to happen don't mean it's going to happen. You don't want that smoke. I'm just I'm trying to think. But you know what? Hey, I got I to gotta say this it's just because we're talking about the gambling and parlay. People ask me because, you know, I was winning some of those college ones and, and why I won't do NFL ones. And that's why when you talk about pros and how good they are, it is so hard to project because of the talent level who's going to win and especially cover spreads. Whereas in college, I mean, I could be wrong when I make this statement, it could come back and backfire. I mean, but we we've talked about it many times. Ohio state always covers a spread. Like you just know, like Alabama does like college football is a little bit more predictable obviously it's not too predictable or everybody would be bankrolling but compared to the nfl you know you could pick you know if i was to pull that back up you could pick the game that you thought was the easiest and that game would not go that way right yeah i mean home or away i mean it was it's a crap shoot when it comes to nfl um you know i, I feel like College football is a little bit easier to pick. The problem is there's always that one one team that just doesn't do what you want them to do. Well, we've learned to never pick Wisconsin. That's what we know. Bump them dudes. All right, man. Uh, let's, let's hit it. Last call, anything? Yeah, man. Um, want to shout out previous guests. Uh, the opening weekend, um, Kentucky Volleyball swept all three games against – all three different opponents and the all tournament team, uh, Johnny Teeler was on it. And then Molly Swift, SEC defensive player of the week, holding multiple shutouts. So not only in off the bench guests, but female athletes dominated. And then one more University of Memphis stripe up, bro. Reed Harding gets pitcher of the week honors. So shout out to a previous guest doing their thing. Yep. Shout out to the off the bench family. I mean, the the effect is real, and and it, it's it's awesome to 
to see them them prospering and them doing well like it, it's hard not to be fans of the of those those folks man it it really is and if you if if you jim like had the opportunity um to go and and i'll ask you and i think i know the answer to lsu soccer game kentucky volleyball game or a memphis baseball game i hate to put you under the gun which one of those would would you pick I, I, I think I I know where I stand. I think I would have to go see Ajani and hit up the volleyball, only because I've never seen it in person, and I think just what I saw on TV last year is unbelievable, and I I think I'd like to see that live. Yeah, no, that actually would be where I'd go because um you know I have seen LSU soccer multiple times. I'm going to see LSU soccer here in a few weeks. Um, but like you said, we've never seen that live and the way it looked on TV, especially, um, you know, I want to go see them play a high caliber opponent, another ranked team. Yeah, sign me up. And I mean, watching, you know, her spike it down or block or it's why well, I said spike kill, you know, kill it down on somebody or block. Yeah. Uh, count me all in. And these articles they're writing about her um, and her selflessness and dedication to the team. Um, man uh fan i need to see it i definitely need to see it absolutely man hey let's get out of here man let's call let's call it a night um another great episode jim i i this tj collette man what, what an un, unbelievable guy man I, I don't know about you but i think this is one of my favorite episodes to date it's it's the way to end a season man absolutely and if, if you like here in us average shows talk x's and o's please like and share the podcast on facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor as always comments ratings and feedback is always welcome we got some shirts online on the website if you want your in off the bench t-shirt you want to rep the brand check out the website they're there for sale we'll hook you up got many colors got your favorite team's color so go on there customize it get it however you like it because we'd love to see you guys representing especially man jim how cool would it be to turn on the tv and see somebody in in, in our brand just right oh, there man absolutely love it absolutely man hey once again another great season we're ending season three we're getting ready for season four and and what a way to start season four episode one we got mississippi state baseball as our subject, we're bringing on the man, Logan Tanner, to join us, man. I'm excited. It'll be another great episode and another great start to another awesome season. So this has been the End Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.